Hey, this is Benjamin Mara. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. I like it a lot. You like it, I love it. I like it a lot. Yes. No holds barred this episode. Going off the top rope. Yep. I mean, it is it, it is a great book in the sense that if, if you ever just want pages and pages of people sitting on a toilet, perfect. Well, I'd like to think it's more than that, but yeah. It is absolutely more than that, yeah. but I, I mean, I, I get I've it. lost count of, of how many conversations are being had. It, it's, but it's again, an, though, I mean, that's just... That's, it's natural. It, yes. It's yes. unvarnished. Right. It's real. And, I, I love the lines. It's, it's, and a, I cannot take my eyes off. Right, right. A lot of times, um, and again, I wish he was here, I could say this to him, a lot of times during the reading of the book, I felt like a voyeur. I felt like I was, yes. I was witnessing events and conversations that maybe I shouldn't be privy to. That maybe they would want to keep it within the family and personal and and uh, secluded, right behind that curtain that we all throw up, right? And I was just like, wow, this is really raw. It's real. It's and it's it's uh, parts of it are very uncomfortable. But to his credit. It's the truth as he sees it, which is amazing. And and this is the truth, ladies and gentlemen, because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 870. Damn. I'm a very confused and happy. Still, I'm still happy. I'm still Vince B. You are still Vince B and confused and happy. And I am David A. Price. And coming at you from Hurricane Isaac, I am Stormfields. <laughs> oh my God! Not what is with this freaking beer? Oh, got all over me. No, I just bought it. I mean, you can still buy it and just been sitting on the. I did. I, this is true, but I didn't shake it or anything. And it does that. No, you're not. I didn't even hear what you said because I was drenched. Lindsay Lloyd Young. No, Stormfields. You're not. Lindsay Lohan. You're Jason Wood, everybody. <laughs> Here today on this very strange episode where we are just going to go off the rails. Craziness will ensue, but first, we have to take care of a little bit of business. This episode has been brought to you by CheapGraphicNovels.com. That's right. If you're looking for anything like an omnibus or a collected edition or a trade paperback which is kind of the same as the collected edition or the manga they have many many of the manga go to cheapgraphicnovels.com let's take a little peek at their homepage shall we well it looks like they have the absolute justice league the world's greatest for 40% off it's 59.99 now what does this include this is alex ross and paul dini so this is pretty cool. It collects Superman, Peace on Earth, Batman, War on Crime, Shazam, Power of Hope, Wonder Woman, Spirit of Truth, JLA, Secret Origins, and JLA, Liberty and Justice. 
that's a lot of comics goodness in there. Especially if you like your fully rendered comic panels. Many people do. It's a list price of 100 bucks, but you're only going to pay 59.99. That's 40% off. It's crazy. Oh, wait, Wolverine Omnibus Volume 5. What what? Dun, dun, dun. 150 bucks list price. You are going to get it for 40% off. 89.99. Now, what does this collect? It collects Wolverine 76 to 101 Annual 95. Marvel Comics Presents 150-151, Cable, my man, number 16, Wolverine Evolution, Wolverine Nick Fury, Scorpio Rising is in here. Oh, Ghost Rider, Wolverine Punisher, The Dark Design, Wolverine Knight of Terra, Wolverine Gambit, mm, victims, Uncanny X-Men 332, and Logan, Path of the Warlord, and material from Marvel Comics Presents 152 to 155. So it does collect 150 to 155, I guess, the Wolverine-centric stuff. Uh, Larry Hama and Adam Kubert was the driving force during this period, wasn't he? Because it says Lady Deathstrike, Bloodscream, Cyber, Deadpool, Ogun. Yeah, most death. Yeah, Phalanx. So this is a great volume. Um, I opt for the Wolverine Epic Collections as opposed to the Omnibu. Only because I started with the Epic Collections and I really don't want to buy this stuff again. So, I mean, whatever flavor you pick, CheapGraphicNovels.com has you covered. You're not going to pay a whole lot of money for it. So go there, take a look around, place an order. Not too much. Take a little nibble, small bite behind the ear. And once you place the order, you're going to be uh, receiving an email confirmation. Thank you for ordering from us. And you say, you reply to this email confirmation. You tell them, you know what? 11 o'clock comics sent us. And they will say, whoa, by golly, here is free shipping on your next order. Unheard of in Jason Woodland. Unheard of. Free shipping. Because shipping's so expensive anymore. I bought a floppy, a little $3.99 floppy, and shipping was like seven bucks. Yeah. It's crazy. Cheap graphic novels, they laugh at shipping because they're giving it to you for free. They probably don't laugh once you place that second order, but that's neither here nor there. Cheapgraphicnovels.com. Go there. There's, there's a great meme where it's like $7.99 plus $2 shipping. Nah, $9.99 free shipping? Oh, yeah, bet. I'm on it. That's how people think. Yep. Isn't it? My wife will not pay for shipping. She I can, will do everything I can to avoid paying shipping. No, I get for, it. I'll look for things from other sellers, but right. I just, yeah. I mean, but if I have to, then so be it. But, but, no, I, she, but not stupid, expensive shipping, though. I, I can't. Oh, no. she. Will I, I don't want the shipping to cost more than a damn item. Exactly. I, if the shipping is like 60% of the item, or no. If if the shipping is 50% of the item, I won't, I won't order it. I won't. Mm-hmm. I just won't. But, um if she needed a heart transplant and the only way they could do it would be, be to mail the heart oh, to the house, she would not do it if she had to pay shipping. So it's a win-win. Well, it's your heart. And the, yeah, I have a big heart. You know that. I do. I have a big heart. And I've, I guess I must be getting older and more experienced and seasoned because I'm, I'm, I've learned to roll with the punches, I guess. Because I had a little bit of the anxiety today because we had a guest. We had a guest scheduled. 
And for whatever reason, the guest is not here. And uh, so going in, I was a little bit perturbed. But once I heard David and Jason's voices, I was like, let's make lemonade, bitches. <laughs> this is not true because you heard me come on and you're like, this fucking computer, I'm out. He's out, and you kicked me off the air. I did kick you off, but no, I would never. Now, see that you. Now, I know you're playing it up for the folks at home. There was, there, yeah, there was his, his 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 voice did heighten when we saw that you were connected, Jason. I did. I didn't think you fired me from the show. No, no. That was no Miguel. But we the um, well, they 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 chopped off one of Ghidra's heads and they just replaced it with a cybernetic one. So there's no way that. You're going to leave completely, at least not unscathed. They, so. I think that was a compliment, what, was it? <laughs> I, sure. I mean, it, it, what's weird is that in all in the short while we've been doing this show and all the guests we've had, this one particular guest got you all anxious and, nobody and, means uh, more to me i know there's so, one mean, person I, I, that I, parallels him and it's matthew allison wow yes he matthew allison and he are my two favorite people other than yourselves on this planet that is i i i was i don't know who that's heavier for because Fucking love Matthew. I love Matthew. But I really do. That's yeah. I mean, no joke. I do. Yeah. Uh, we we are, and this isn't why I love him. Uh, we are very much alike. We have a lot of yes. the same interests. We have a lot of the same knowledge on really, really obscure, stupid things that nobody cares about. And I admire his talent more than everyone else. That's how it goes. Yeah, I mean, this book, and I guess we should, are we going to not talk about the book much in case we reschedule with him? Because it's, no, it's an intense thing. It is, and I don't want to make us unable to host him. It's like, well, we can't talk about it because we talked about it last episode. But let's just let the people in on a little bit of behind-the-curtain stuff. Josh Bayer was supposed to be here this episode, and I just can't connect with him on Skype. Now, whether we got our lines crossed in the scheduling stage, uh, I mean, he knew he was coming on. He, he pinged me today or yesterday through the email, and he's like, are we still good? And I'm like, yeah, we're good. Uh, whether or not he forgot that we do Skype and not phone, I don't know. But I can't connect with him, and we have a schedule to keep. That's how important recording this show is to us. We do not miss a week. I cannot schedule it tomorrow night because I have class. We can't do it Friday. It it had to be tonight. So um, Josh isn't here, but we, we read his fourth... Well, it's out now. His book, Unended. And it is... Uh, I, I, I don't want to throw this word around needlessly. But it's the word that you use when you say something is exceptionally good. <laughs> it, it is. It's that. Um, there's a, a motif in the book where uh, he sees himself being hit by the Ignatz brick. On the contents page, God throws an Ignatz brick 
at Josh Bayer. And, and I was going to lead with the book is raw, the book is unfiltered, and it is heavier than a hit from a God-thrown Ignatz brick. And it is. It, it, there are sections of this book that are the truth. However uncomfortable that may make the reader feel, because it feels like you're 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 peering in through the Bayer family window and you're watching all of these events unfold, and you're kind of feel a little skeevy because you don't really belong there. But Josh is letting you into this story, and it's about it's about his father who passed, and after he pa- passed, Josh found or was given an unfinished play that his father had wrote about the family and Josh adapted it to sequential art and he had to finish it. And it's, it's, it, the book is more about Josh than anybody else. It's, you know, I can't say it's wonderful because you don't get that singing in the rain feeling from it. (laughs) You really don't, but it, it is a masterpiece and I think it's his best work. Yeah. And he plays on pop culture and and comics uh, tropes within the book, and his favorite characters pop up here or there. Uh, I think it's, it's it's exceptionally well done, and it's very revealing, to say the least. Yeah, revealing. yeah. You know the I, reason I have... why he has that indefatigable lust to produce. Like he's always working and always making things and creating art. And now you know why. You read this book, you'll know why that he's yeah. an engine for creation. It's his origin story. The uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I haven't read everything in in Josh's catalog, I'm sad to say, but um, of what I have read, uh, and ended unended is definitely at the top of the list for me. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's 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 yeah. I get to shame again. He's not here because like. The fact that it was his father's play that he found when he died, and it wasn't finished, and then he decides to make a comic about it, and then, you know, it has the ending that it has. There's, I mean, there's just a lot there, man. It's, it's like we're watching him on the couch work through his his ish. You know? Exactly. Yeah, and and you could see why Josh is straight edge, right? And he's. Oh, I forgot that he was, but that yeah, does make sense. Yeah, and he has a cosmically puritan work ethic like he just pummels through work he just is he's like the you know the the perpetual motion machine he's always making art and it you will understand why after you read this it, it's magnificent it really it's an accomplishment and a half um maybe i mean i don't think we we because there's so many things i want to ask him right and i love the relationship he has with hyena like I think that's what was one of the best parts of the book for me. How she just does not take shit. She will tell you the truth, whether it hurts you or not. And I and that's so. I mean, if you know the lady, I I observe their online interactions, and they are they're amazing together. Uh, but it's not flashy. It's not showy. It's just that what is they call it shipping. Shipping when you try and pair your favorite. Yeah. If I had to ship somebody with Josh Bayer, it would be hyena. Like they, there just seems to be a magic thing that happens with these two, and you see some of that in the book. But I mean, we were going in. I was like, if if hyena wants to come on too, hey, <laughs> more the merrier, right? Um, but unfortunately, none of it came to pass. So uh, we're rolling with it. 
and we will uh, try and get him back. Um, he wanted to come on before SPX so he can get maybe a little uh, eyeballs on his thing. I don't think he needs it, but yeah, okay. And um, <laughs> there's one part of the book I had to laugh uh, where where he's like, I'm Josh Bayer. People all around the world read my stuff. And there's a little footnote, and it says, kind of. You know, sort of. <laughs> so it's 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 unvarnished. It's the truth, and it's it's wonderful. So if you if you have a couple extra bucks in your pocket, get Unended by Josh Bayer. It is absolutely phenomenal. You'll you'll you will come back to whatever uh, forum, whether on Reddit or our online. F- uh, we don't have an online forum, but um, in our Slack, because there's a way to do that, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, you can get into our Slack and then comment on Josh Bayer's book or on our Facebook page or whatever. Uh, it, this book will affect you. And you'll know, you'll emerge from the experience knowing much, much more about the creator, the Renaissance man that is Josh Bayer. Yeah. So, we had something planned, and now we don't. So what do we do? Well, after we tell you what we're drinking, we're just going to have a good old time talking about comics. How about that? This is a strange one, but it's going to be a fun one. I, thankfully, have alcohol. And uh, my, my week has become uh, very complex lately. There's a lot of moving parts in my schedule. So um, I need to kick back and relax with my booze. So I I have some some hops. This is uh, from Saranac. It is the Hoppy Hour Hero Mosaic IPA. And there's a period between Mo and Zaic. So Mosaic IPA. It is 7.8 alcohol by volume, 75 IBUs, and it is delicious. I love Saranac stuff. So there you go. I'm drinking Saranac, Dap. I like it. I got some Aha Lime and Watermelon. Awesome. I'm just glad you're here to tell us about it. There you go. What? You're adorable. He does uh, not know how to take a a, a heartfelt compliment. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, you know what? New NYCC, I'm going to have to kick you in the ass a little bit. I don't care if you're taller than me. It sounds like it. I'm oh stronger. I'm stronger. Dude, than it's because of these tech issues, man. It's it's I I, I as as you know off air, I said I'm going to buy a new laptop. I can't I can't have this. Nice. Roll with it, my friend. I know. They can hear the one they came to hear. I hate the idea of not being able to talk or messing up the audio because I'm talking. I get it. I get it, my friend. Dap, what are you drinking? I am... uh, The wife's got the AC kicking. um, As well she should. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's been brutal the past couple of days. So I didn't want anything with an ice cube in it. Um, I was... (laughs) Thinking about the gin and tonic because it's I'm 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 about to put on a goddamn hoodie, bro. You don't have to oh, you're so dainty. Oh my god, what does she put it on? I'm I'm so fucking delicate. I bet you she has it on seventy. Uh, it might be 
1971. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! <laughs> Daps in the corner with a little shawl on. I have. I gotta I'm get my little, you know, my little, my, my little quilted. I'm so cold. Shawl. Um, Frodo, I'm so, so cold. I... <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Frodo, give me that Elvis bread. I'm fucking cold. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, anyway. Uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's, uh, Michter's US1, uh, whiskey with a splash of, uh, seltzer. But, um, I'm sipping on that and then I'll, uh, I'll follow it up with my big ass tumbler of, uh, of water. Nice. That's awesome. Neither of you watched One Piece yet, did you? I'm up to the fourth. They're in the fog, so that's the fourth episode. Oh, nice. I'm loving it, bro. I'm, yeah, it's, it's, it's so good. I can't, I, I can't wait to watch it again. I'm hoping that uh, that I can get Renee to give the first episode a shot uh, and see if she'll sit with me with, through, through the rewatch. But I, I just... I, the sec- Buggy just blows me away and and i can't i the the first episode as fun as that was i i think i like the second third more um but i'm just i'm i'm having an absolute blast with i that. had to giggle when you say uh, when you said on the slack oh, i love buggy buggy's fucking annoying and he's he's obnoxious i hate oh, 100%. him no in the in the big picture of one piece buggy's like a right. footnote he, he doesn't even matter um well but in, initial, in the initial stages, he does. Cause that's, and, that's, and all he's, I've consumed so far is the Right, industry. right. He's the trial by fire. But um, I, I thought it was so appropriate that you liked Buggy, and, and he's like one of my least favorite characters. Of course it's appropriate. But I, it's it's not even... I, had I been introduced to him in, in, in the manga, that might be one thing, but I'm I'm watching this actor bring the character to life, and that's what I can't look away from i just i i I, it it, my man is just like so into playing this murderous clown it's it's insane yeah it's it's really well like i I think they odds were against them on on actually making this work and i don't know what kind of magic mojo they 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 work to pull it off but it, it all sparkles it all works it, it. I mean, I, I am. I'm glad we got what we got. I, I love that one season, but the 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 swelling that people have for One Piece and and for Netflix to embrace it as as they have to to create the show and and hopefully make more of it because of how people are reacting to it. That's I I, I wish Cowboy Bebop got that because I would love to get more. Cowboy Bebop, but again, you know, we got what we got. I'm not upset about it, but I and I'm I'm not trying to compare the two. I just the way the the, the you know it, they're both they're both adaptations from other sources and and, and live action, extremely well done. Um, but One Piece just it it's it is it it's a ton of fun. I'm I'm glad I gave it a shot. Yeah, I don't under understand the the divisiveness of cowboy bebop i thought it was wonderful me too yeah yep. um it, it's amazing though that a uh a fan contingent can have that much sway 
in in the the future seasons that they were very vocal about it online and then it, i guess that translated into ratings where those who may have given it a shot didn't because they heard bad thing i don't know I, I thought i mean i i was watching i was like how much better can this possibly be and that was very well done but yeah. the, like one piece um I'm not a fan of Usopp in the manga. Like I, I, I tolerate the character. He's part of the group, and so therefore, because he's straw hat, that all right, he matters to me in some offhand way. But he's not the first character I glommed onto, nor is he like the fifth. So, um, but I know the character of Usopp after having read stupid amounts of one piece and i gotta say the kid that they got to play Usopp, i'm sorry i don't have his name handy is astoundingly like the character in the manga it is ridiculous how close this kid is in just in in facial mannerisms and his in his the way he looks and the way he acts like it is ridiculously close that's like how do you do that not once because i think luffy is a lot like the character in in the manga and uh, Zoro's really close. Sanji's, I think the, the guy that they, they got for Sanji pulled it off remarkably well. And I heard he he actually trained in kickboxing for the role. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah which he is a took hobby now. cooking classes. Cooking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, what more can you... Like, see, when you infuse something with that much creative energy, it has to be successful. And I know that sounds facetious in pie in the sky, but that's how creativity works. If you're investing that much of your will into something, the end product is going to work and it's going to be contagious. People feel that kind of energy. And I just was like, holy shit. And, and Nami's like super cute. She is cute. Yeah, and she, she can is. act. She can act very well. Like, yeah, I won't say you haven't gotten there yet, but there's a scene towards the, the tail end of the show that I was just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, she's she's wonderful, really. I haven't and, watched it, but Holden Holden watched the whole thing that like when it came out, he watched the whole same. thing the first day, yeah. Um, so knowing what I know about the manga, the little naval battles that we've seen so far are absolutely nothing to what has what's coming, and I'm the 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 possibility or knowing. That what I've seen now in the little tiny skirmishes are going to unfold on a grand scale later on. Like, I cannot wait to see some of these battles. There are entire volumes that are nothing but naval battles. Like, the entire 200 pages is just an incident between two opposing forces on a giant scale. And it's like, how are they going to pull this off? Well, I have more confidence that they're going to be able to do it now seeing these little tiny skirmishes and how wonderfully they were rendered like i can't wait i i hope this thing goes for 10 seasons i would love it yeah uh you did you see the second season of uh hunters the prime show oh where they hunt nazis yeah i don't know what that is we watched the first season who did we were talking about it. Al Pacino plays the the, the guy kind of getting oh, all the, right, the, the right, juice right. together. No, no, I didn't. I I didn't stick with the show either. I I, I saw maybe like three episodes, okay. and, and I kind of trailed off. 
the actress who plays Nami is in the second season of of Hunters. That's why I, she looks familiar to me, and that and, and I realized is why. She, um, she's Jonah's uh, fiance in the second season. Jonah, the main character. Do we get to see her in ways we don't see her in One Piece? I'm trying to remember. Because, uh, like, I think my... everybody was naked in Hunters. Like, there seems to be, uh, yeah. I'm gonna have to watch it then. If she's in it, I'll I'll, I'll fire it back up. <laughs> I like. I mean, I, I, the first season was phenomenal. I the 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 second season became a little um, uh, Tarantino esque with the way like history doesn't really it didn't follow history. It it it. it um, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but it, it they didn't they 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 took another route when uh, when when they were wrapping it up. But um, as far as um, one piece. So I haven't, I haven't gotten up. I haven't been introduced to to Sanji yet. Um, oh, he's great. Yeah, so no. I, from what I've seen, because because just a little preview, the 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 tease that Netflix shows you when you're just scrolling through stuff. The there's a scene where I think they meet him, where he's at the restaurant, and he's and that's where I think. So I don't know what episode that is, but I'm pretty sure it's obviously coming up soon because there's I don't know how many episodes there are in the, the eight. And I'm already up to the fourth, so yeah, it's, it's, I'm assuming he'll show up soon. But anyway, the uh, I'm I'm having a blast with it, and and uh, the suggestion form for our listeners to uh, our patrons to nominate, suggest, recommend a book for us to read this month for the book of the month. Um, maybe we'll get lucky and uh, finally have to have to read one piece. How about that? I'm not trying to stack the deck or anything like that. I'm just looking forward to it now more than I have been in the past. Yeah. Well, if you didn't meet Sanji yet, you didn't get to the the restaurant, the floating restaurant. Correct. Which so, is probably where they're going to get to while they're floating around in this fog. Yes. And okay. if there was ever... A location and an arc that was written for you. Oh. It's all about food and food prep. Well, it's not all, but there's a lot of that in it. Okay. And and Sanji's very particular about the way he cooks food and thinks oregano is for like plebeians. Oh, I like him already. Yeah. So you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. But the okay. um the actor's name is Jacob Romero that plays Usopp. I think he's phenomenal. Yes. Phenomenal. Actually, yeah. Jacob Romero Gibson. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, um, IMDb only has him as Jacob Romero. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. And even young Luffy's great. He is. He's very good. Yeah. It's it's a winner all around. Yeah. Love it. I can't wait. I, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't want to say, um, yes, thank you, can I have more? I'm very grateful that this these eight episodes exist and they're so wonderful. But I think it's in this consume, consume age we live in that we always want more. It's wrong. We shouldn't be that way. I get it. But, man, I want more of this, he said hypocritically. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's great. Can't wait till Jason watches it. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering, well, I've read so little One Piece that I was curious if I would, like, Going in fresh, if I would have just a different you know, perspective and if I would like it, but I, I, 
I've heard nothing but good things. So yeah, now, I I'm didn't. Do it. I didn't have the three in one volume with me uh, in hand. You know, comparing all the scenes to the actual manga, but from what I can remember, the events are very close to what uh, Master Oda did in 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 the manga. So, so is it is like an episode like comparable to to a volume, or are they just no, like no, 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 no? Oh, okay, no, I would say no. Buggy, the whole buggy thing is within the first three in one volume. So maybe they they got out of of three, four volumes. I don't I don't know. Five volumes. Okay. I, I, I like I said I didn't compare it. But um and and I'm probably wrong because uh when you consume I consumed one piece in those giant three in one volumes. So it's kinda hard to tell wh- like when I say volume two, I really mean yeah four, five, four, six. five six. Yeah. Yep. So I know I don't know. Yeah, great. Amazing stuff. Yes, watch it if you haven't already. Right. Yeah. Uh, I I, I have something I read that made me... It it entertained me, and it made me happy. Um, I appreciated the visuals because I think it's drawn by a man who... um, doesn't have a whole lot of peers in 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 terms of of uh beauty of line let's just say but i can't really praise the story all that much and i'll tell you let's cut to the chase i read the plot holes number one by sean gordon murphy from uh massive and it was a whole bunch of fun it was it was amazingly entertaining. It's when I break down the story for public consumption that mm. it it sounds kind of contrived and a little hackneyed. Maybe it, it's about a group of of characters, and when I say characters, they're really characters. They were pulled from literary works. Not in the sense of, of like fables, but th- these are characters from works that had a problem. Whether it was a plot inconsistency or um, maybe just the author was a hack and, and the events spiraled out of their control and the books were just not either not good or there was a, like a fatal flaw in the, in the narrative somewhere. Well, these characters, who are led by a woman called the editor, they jump into books and they fix them. Their ship is called the footnote. <laughs> you see, it, it, it one, it, it's just it's so it's like, okay, Jimmy, you you have a a. a something to do for English class. I want you to come up with your own story, Jimmy, and present it to the class. Okay, I'm going to go real deep. I'm going to do this story about these characters that came out of books. Wow. And they jump into books and they fix <clears> them. <throat> and you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but the whole, the plot contrivances in this book, 
they're kind it's not a lofty conceptual thing i mean it's right they're they're characters that are fixing books and all of the accoutrements of these characters are book related like at one point they jump into a delorean (laughs) right and and one of the characters says you know just try and keep it under 88 um they they have these little computers called bookmarks that allows them to jump into this digitized reality of a book so um there's a character ripped from manga his name's johnny manga (laughs) and and his eyes are bigger his eyes are larger than normal because he's from a manga right and and he he was uh all of the the cliches that one would associate with manga like he once was a mechanic on a giant robot that looks very much like a Gundam. Um, there's drifting involved with cars, like Tokyo Drift. And he drives the car into the the, the mech suit to activate it. It's And the, the passage that details these events, the pages, uh, rather, are done in black and white with a lot of speed lines. Sean Gordon Murphy knows his 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 comic stuff, right? But it's not unlike something that someone with you know um, aspirations to be a writer would come up with. Like there's this guy, and he's from a manga, and he pilots a giant mech, but he drifts a car into it to do it. Like I I, I I'm not belittling this work at all, but there's really no heavy lifting involved with this book. The, the main character's name's Cliff Dinklewitz. He's a comic book artist. And his wife died of cancer. So he's alone and he funnels all his, his energy into making comics. And he's, you know, he's, he's, he's been around the block. He's, he's drawn a lot of genres. But, and he's pulled from this, from his reality, which is still, he's still a character in a, in a book. And and asked to join the team because he's experienced with with different genres. Um, another teammate is um, a cross between, and this is in um, Shad Gordon Murphy's own words. He's a cross between Ugly Kid Joe and Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. Like he's a little elvish-looking character, wears the baseball hat backwards and is angry and a little bit racist and um he's older than all of them but he's still a perpetual child right so he's a he's like pip the troll a little bit a little wisecracking thing and then there's another character his name is roar he's a giant cat man but he's a shapeshifter he can assume different body types and 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 races and stuff and um what's cooler than a giant striped cat man with a massive sword like that's cool i want to see that char gordon murphy drawing that yeah give me more of that you know there's a female vampire named la razoa i'm guessing it's a fun book but um the 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 villain so to speak so uh in this universe these the the crew of the footnote are the only ones they thought 
that could jump into books. But haha, turns out that there's this space worm type thing that can also do it, and they don't know why. So their enemy, as editors, is a bookworm. <laughs> See what I mean? Like, what did that take? About four seconds to come up with? But that's okay. It's fun. It's drawn really cool. Do I need super deep, convoluted, Tolkien-esque, you know, plot contrivances? No, I don't need that. I, I, or, or I should have said Alan Moore, um, if you've read Jerusalem. But it, it, it's drawn amazingly well. My God, it's gorgeous. But it's kind of, you know, there's, there's, it's kind of simple. And I don't mean that in oh little Jimmy simple, you know. It's it, it's it's just unadorned. The concepts are basic. If if you love books and love reading them, all of these concepts you're not going to be like, oh well, that makes sense. You know, they have a bookmark. It's a computer. It's fun. <laughs> but but one of the things that really has me excited, there's a preview in this issue for Sean Gordon Murphy's upcoming project. Guess what it is? Moby Dick. Uh, no, but you're not too far off the mark. Oof. Made my heart sing when I saw these preview pages because I think there should be a comic on the stands featuring this character every month. Sean Gordon Murphy is going to be doing Zorro. Oh, shit. Yes. Oh, that's cool. These pages are gorgeous. Um, Alex Toth would be proud. I'm just saying. So he not only has me for the remainder of the plot holes, he has me for his next project as well, which is Zorro. And I, I, I'm not shitting around. I think every month there should be a Phantom comic on the shelves. Zorro. Who else, that? Dick Tracy. There should be Green a Dick Hornet. Tracy comic every every month. Yeah. What what'd you say? Let's say Green Hornet. Yeah, Green Hornet too. Let's get these great characters that Doc Savage. Uh, the pulp resurgence. Yes. That's let's right. get these great Dynamite tried it. They did. They, they did, yes. But let's get these characters that actually set the template for everything to follow and bring them back because they we we need them we need them back in the limelight because they showed everybody how it's done you would not mm -hmm. have superman without doc savage you wouldn't you wouldn't have batman without zorro or the phantom or the shadow or the shadow right it's so many see the 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 pulp characters are the elements on the periodic table of comics all of the stuff that we have now are formed from all of these wonderful elements that came before. And I think we need them. We need these characters. Needs them. Need yeah, them. I know I know you, you you like to make light of, you know, my love for the pulp characters, but man, I think it's cute. Uh, is Jim Steranko thought it was cute too. Uh, but he knows the, he knows the score, man. The Steranko's history of comics, they all both volumes pay homage to the pulp characters because without them, we wouldn't have these characters. We would not have them. You can't have that. 
So yeah, I thought the plot holes was great in a in a in a entertained me for a specific amount of time. It made me chuckle. It made me appreciative that Sean Gordon Murphy draws breath to produce artwork this beautiful. I thought it was a winner. Every comic does not have to reinvent the wheel. And but this is a fun comic. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes a comic can be just what it is and still be right. right. And and, I, and 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 Sean, if you're listening or someone told you to listen to this, I wasn't making fun of it. I'm not belittling <laughs> your but I mean the haters going to hate. It is what it is to quote a dear friend. And I I enjoyed it for what it is. I think if, you should be reading this book. If you like fun, if you don't like fun, then I don't know what you're doing listening to this. That is true. So true. This is an audio podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, speaking of fun comics and speaking of um, continuity... We had the great pleasure of having Kelly Thompson on the show yeah. uh, a few weeks back. And we talked for quite a bit about Birds of Prey, uh, which is her big DC book that was launched. And we got Birds of Prey uh, this week. And I thought it was awesome. Yes. Can I say something before you launch into it? Mm-hmm. We were talking about this at the shop today. Because Dave came up to me and he goes, you want to see something? And I was like, okay. He goes, look at this. Puts the Birds of Prey number one in front of me. And I look through it. And he's like, what do you see in those pages? And I see, I said, I see Jaime Hernandez meets Steve Lieber. Hmm. And he's like, when I said Jaime Hernandez, he pointed at me like Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time. Yep. And he goes, exactly. And he, he flips through it and he goes, look at this page. And it, I think it's, it's Diana, uh, Dinah getting out of bed or something. Mm-hmm. And she, the character looks like Maggie. Like, I don't know if it was Dinah. I know who it was, but it was a female character sitting uh, on a bed. I think it was Zealot. Okay. And it looks like Maggie. And then there's another uh, uh, panel where she's bent over or something. I'm like, Maggie, it looks like Maggie. And he's like, exactly. So I read his mind a little bit. Can, I'm sorry. Continue. No, I mean, um, I mean, I think that that's a huge compliment, obviously, right? I mean, especially coming from you to, to compare uh, his art to, um, to Hernandez is huge. I mean, I've always said that his art reminds me of the... Um, uh, I mean the Lieber the Lieber one's a great call as well, but I you know I think the Somni Elsa Charitier that's that's cool you know yeah. I've always been a big fan, but yeah I mean I, listen I thought this book not surprisingly because I like Kelly's style was just awesome it was exactly what you want from a first issue right you're setting up the team um, you've got Black Canary as the leader which makes sense and she's kind of explaining to Oliver that she's got to go off on this very very dangerous mission and he can't help this time and then she's got to recruit the team. And, um, you know, we knew what the team would be based on the solicits and the cover image and, and the, 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 the PR machine that has to roll these days. But uh, nevertheless, you know, I love getting the band together. And that's what this issue is all about. She's got to go and recruit. And um, you got Big Barda. You've got um, uh, Cassie Kane. Uh, you've got um, 
uh, Zealot, which is the really interesting one, right? Because we haven't really seen that that consternation. And then you got Harley, who's the X Factor. And I just thought that the way they introduced each one, it reminded me of like the seventies and eighties, you know, kung fu movies when you'd have to get the the different fighter styles together to go on the big suicide mission, and it just was that kind of vibe. And I mean, I don't want to get too spoilery, but basically, the mission is they need to rescue Sin who, for those that might not know, um, is uh, is Dinah's sister. Um, at least, I don't know if it's blood blood, but, you know, adopted sister, sister, stepsister. I don't know. You guys might. I don't know the I don't know the connection in terms of whether it's blood or not, but she's her 16 year old sister in the continuity currently. And uh, she's got to go and rescue them. And you don't know where they're going. You just know it's going to be dangerous until the very last page and they they you find out where in fact they have to go to rescue her and it's like oh shit <laughs> like oh boy this thing gonna be easy so uh i thought it was great man i thought the cadence was fun i thought each of the characters were distinctive i loved the way that kelly wrote harley um which i'm always curious about because it's not easy to write her you know um so yeah i i, I i'm stoked it's probably the most excited i've been for a new dc book in a, in a while so did you, you read it yet that when you say Zealot, do you mean Zealot from Wildcats? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, no, I I um I barely had a chance to start it, so I was really looking forward to hearing you talk about it to see where if um if I was going to get to it real soon or something. Oh, you got to, dude! It's so much fun, and the art sings. I mean, the fight scenes and the choreography. It's it's just it's wonderful. I really do think it's wonderful. I mean, it makes Harley Quinn a badass because like Dinah's like, oh, I don't. I don't know about Harley. Like she's a she's a wild card, and and Cassie Kane's like exactly, and she almost beat me the other day, and you know not many people basically saying like mm. like if she can almost beat me, like she's worth having because she's unpredictable, and that's why she almost beat uh, Cassandra because Cassandra couldn't read her fighting style, and uh, I just thought that was super cool. It's like oh yeah, that would make sense. Like Harley's unpredictable, which makes her dangerous to someone who to trained fighters who can you know predict what people are going to do and fight them. So that that makes a ton of sense. So, yeah, I'm here for it, man. Barda, I love the way he draws Barda. You know, she's, you know, twice the size of the other women and kicks all kinds of ass and speaks very formally. Not quite. It was a little Draxy, like Drax from the movie, like in the way that Barda spoke. But uh, but I, it still worked for me. I really, like I said, I, I think it was just uh, I had very high expectations for it because I loved Birds of Prey when Gail Simone did it. And I love Kelly's work. And I think this is a match made in heaven. Yeah, I'm gonna have to uh, to buy the single because I, I I thought it looked really good. Like I said, I didn't read it. All I can speak on was what I've seen in the pages, and it looked really nice. Mm-hmm. I hate like hell to give DC money, but if it's worth it, <laughs> this is worth it. It's it's really mm-hmm. well well drawn. It, it, yeah. Maybe I'm just an ass. Nah. <laughs> well, I mean, I I look at what DC publishes, right? None of it speaks to me, and then something like this comes along, and it's like, oh yeah, holy crap! I, now I got to give them money. Uh, you know, I, I one of the things I really liked was I don't know what the context was. Well, I, someone was fighting, and I think it was Barda, and all of the opponents were in black. Mm-hmm. like shadows like that's really cool graphically that's that's uh pretty amazing when you have one character that's in primary colors uh and it's barda who's 
commands attention and you have all these things reaching for her and they're all solid black like that's cool yeah 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 color play was awesome i mean i i thought the book was a home run on every level yeah i'm definitely looking forward I to it say i have to agree and kudos to oliver man for just get, still getting it done all these years later. Yeah, you know, I think that's a little played out. Like at this what? point, at this point, Oliver should he should be using the he should have the pills and the pump and and stuff. And oh there, 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 there's no way that <sighs> come on, he's come on, older Bruce. than he's older do you than still Bruce. Need, do you need pills and pumps? Hell no, I'm a, okay, I'm Sicilian. <laughs> that only, oh my god, <laughs> that was. Uh, that was exactly uh, that came up last uh, last Thursday at the um, at the little staff happy hour they 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 throw once a month and uh, the minion is Sicilian and and we were talking about um, my dude yeah yeah we were talking about uh, how many oh because I think because I was one of the only few white people there and there was and, and a conversation and a, and a topic came up and Renee was trying to break it down and and she she referenced like of of all the things to 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 make the point to I think she she picked some she picked a show where the cast was primarily white and I asked her if she if she chose that so that the, the the three white dudes here would be comfortable with with the reference and and the minion turns to me and goes bro I'm Sicilian I was like oh all right my bad oh my <laughs> god that's what I say <laughs> yes it is that's why I was like I can't I gotta go I'm done I'm not I'm not white I'm Sicilian <sighs> I've said that a hundred times I've yeah. it's true I've said that a hundred times on this show you have now I know you have yeah that that's hurt. so funny. Yeah, they tried to put us on the island. Ha <laughs> ha! We showed them. Ah, Jesus! Right? You sure did. Yeah. Can't take that away from you. <laughs> can't take, can't that. take that away from me. Uh, so, as uh, as Vince said recently, um, after I read the first issue, and then Vince flipped through the first issue, the second issue of Scrapper came out recently. Uh, story by Cliff Blazinski and Alex DeCampi. Uh, art by Ryan Kelly with colors by Jordi Belair. Um, second issue, I think um, I enjoyed it more than the first. The first was, of course, setting up the world and introducing you to some of the characters, but uh, with the big doings at the end of the first issue, um, with scrappers, with scrapper dealing with with loss and uh, finding out that uh, this collar um, is connected to the big bad that's kind of like overseeing everything. Um, he needs to. Uh, he he's just he's the bad guys basically killed his humans and he's got this collar on that can kind of turn him into a weapon so he needs to get rid of it and he needs to kind of basically exact revenge and, and bring down the um the big bet so he uh he's he's makes 
Scrapper makes its way to his buddy Tank's place. Uh, Tank is a uh, it's a bit of a uh, it's not quite a bulldog, a bit of a pity mix, but um, they're uh, they're making their way through the city and under the city. They have to go through the sewers to get to where they need to get to. Um, but uh, the rats obviously control the underground. So uh, Tank is um, Tank steals a pizza and brings it and shows the uh, shows the Rat King. That um, that listen, I, I basically here's tribute, so we can pass. We need to get to District Six. Um, so I uh, we bring pizza to show Rat Spect, and uh, and the Rat King's all like, oh, okay. And Tank's like, yeah, you know, pepperoni, extra cheese. He's like, oh, okay, well, extra cheese. Then all right, you may pass. And they do. They uh, they they make their way, and it's they show up at Founder Square, which is kind of like Times Square. Um, but this is what. This is how crazy uh, this 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 world is, uh, and basically, um, you're kind of uh, so so Smite, which is the organization uh, S M I T E. They they have exciting indenture opportunities for parents and children alike. If a family of four starts now, you can work off what you owe and be ready to borrow again for the holidays. And you can get grandma working too. It's like they just everybody they they just have their heel on everybody's necks, and and so of course a um, not at all a revolution like <laughs> where we no no not yeah. at all. Uh, there's uh, so something's got to change. Something's got to give. Uh, hopefully that's where we're that's the direction we're heading in. Uh, the pigeons get involved because they they realize that. Um, that that scrapper is is one of the good guys and um they uh they're just and and they know that um that the scrapper is a friend of the pigeons and they're uh they're also they seem to be very they seem to have one track minds they're almost like they're like flying goldfish they're just like they're running around saying hi flying around saying hi uh asking what are you doing here um why are you out in daylight the uh the officers show up ready to pounce on on scrapper uh but tanks like listen um if you wanted to impress scrapper you, you you'd steal that tracker that they're using to follow us and and smash it and um and the pinch is like oh shit yeah we're gonna steal and they're all just like all of them are just flying around saying steal 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 st-. and that's just that's the whole panel um scrapper does free some kids that are like in cages and uh and but by doing so, he uses the collar to um, to cut through the steel because the collar's got a bunch of uh, little gadgets and weapons in it. So it it um, it has a laser that he uses to cut the lock. Um, the kids are free, and now of course the officers not only have the pigeons to deal with, but now they have these escaped kids. Uh, Scrapper and Tank are uh, are making a run for it. Um, they free some grown-ups in another cage while they're doing it. But now the officers have, have, have caught up to them and uh, start firing tranks. And one of them, well, more than one of them, hit Scrapper. Um, while he's fighting off the tranks, one of the pigeons that stole the, that 
manage to grab the tracker from the officer, gets the scrapper, scrapper destroys it, and then the pigeons start uh, crapping all over the officers while Tank and Scrapper get out of town. And uh, now the tranks are starting to hit him. He's feeling the effects, and everything's getting all trippy. Uh, it's it's uh, it's like a night at the loft, and now we're just making our way through um, through the rest of the city. They get to the roof of a building, and and Scrapper's finally just he's worn out. The, the the tranquilizers have, have taken effect and he's basically he's knocked out on his feet um but they do get to where they need to get to this this uh this young lady who knows tank uh she's like i haven't seen you in a bit though and asked if scrapper's okay and tank's like no and, and, and this is great so this 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 black woman her name is actually renee uh so tank's like no no scrapper isn't so um but he's uh He's another smite lab escapee. Uh, Renee recognizes the collar around Scrapper's neck. Um, and so since they need to get the tracker off of off of Scrapper, uh, Renee says, okay, we have to, uh, we'll get, we'll get Daisy to take care of it. And, uh, and Daisy's basically a, um, a, a hacker raccoon. And, uh, and and Daisy's not happy about being interrupted from her coding, and that's the uh, that's the end of the second issue. So, it's it's moving. We're, we're, it's 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 pretty quick pace. Like I said, the first issue was a setup. This issue is basically nonstop action from start to finish, just getting from point A to B. Um, I just I'm I'm really interested to see who else we're going to be introduced to as uh, this limited series makes its way to its conclusion. But um, this was this was a lot of fun. It's nothing. You know, it, it's not necessarily it's not going to break the world, but it is. Um, it, it is. It's it's a fun diversion from anything else that uh, you might be reading right now. Um, I, I uh, you know, we had Marvels Unleashed last week, and that was that was a lot of fun. It is a nice little. Um, they're they're kind of uh, they're a little bit on the bookendy kind of uh, kind of vibe they got going on, but I, I I dug it a lot. So yeah, I'm curious to see how this series is going to continue, but, uh, but I'm having fun with it. I, I, I really am. I didn't know if it was just going to be one of those kind of gimmicky books where it was a video game dude who, who's, who's writing the story and, uh, it's, it's about a dog and who doesn't love dogs, but there's, there's an actual, um, there's, there's some weight here. There's, there's a story that's, uh, that's, that's pretty, pretty entertaining. Um, and, and engrossing to a degree. To a degree, mm-hmm. the lock. F- well, only because I'm not. It, it's not like it, it's, it's not Watchmen, obviously. But yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's still, what I would. They're right. Still it's a, here, right. And I don't think that's a bad thing. No, no, no. I don't want every comic to be Watchmen. Exactly. Reading would be a trudge. Um, the lock for me on Scrapper is the moray, the the dot pattern mm-hmm. in the color. Yeah, that, those are great. That's the lock, especially yeah. yeah. The second issue's got a lot of that. If you tip your hat to the old school, I I kind of love you and and yep. would buy you a drink. But yeah, love the colors a lot. I like what Jordy's. It's doing. very nice. It, the The rendering is really sharp. Yeah, yep. like it a lot. I think it's a worthwhile read. I like it a lot. Blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> 
I, as I always do every Wednesday, I jumped into the dollar bin. There we go. Um, yeah, Dave got kind of mad because I kind of crumpled some of the books, but I jumped in anyway. And it's really... Well, if they're packed in a box, right, they won't get crumpled. It's, it's very strange that I would pick three books housed in different long boxes. Here's Here's the way he works it. He has uh, an amazing inventory of uh, stuff. And Dave is one that doesn't like to um, leave money on the table. So what he does is he has his employees pull back issues that are languishing in boxes in the back room or, or wherever in storage. And he populates his long boxes with them for a buck a pop. Last week... He had DC or um, Dark Horse Comics presents. He had the Sin City issues in there for a buck a piece, and I'm like Dave. He's like, that's about what they're going for. He's like, nobody, nobody wants those. So I'm like, oh, so okay. I I didn't buy them because I have them, and and you know, I would like to see somebody else gain who hasn't read those. But anyway, uh, so I'm going through the box today, and I'm p- picking stuff, picking stuff, and. After I got home, I'm like, wait a minute. All three of these books are from a very, very narrow window in Image Comics history. Specifically, June, or March, sorry, of 1993. Now, in 93, Image was still published by Malibu. They were still under that Malibu umbrella. And I had forgotten just how deeply ingrained in the image universe Don Simpson was at this time. Oh. I had forgotten because within the space of two months... Right, because this is this other one is April ninety three. Within the space of two months, we got three books, either wholly or in part drawn by Don Simpson, featuring Image Comics characters and creators. Uh, the books in question: Splitting Image, number one and two, and Savage Dragon versus the Savage Megaton Man. And I was like, holy crap! Don Simpson was like lodged in image at this point. Three books in the space of two months out of out of the what? And then I'm reading them, or uh, I already had them. And uh, thing was, I forgot my phone today, so I couldn't check the CLZ to see if I had them. But for a buck a pop, whatever, I bought them again. And mm-hmm. uh, the real neat thing about Savage Dragon versus Savage Megaton Man is. Larson draws all the Savage Dragon characters. And Simpson draws the Megaton Man characters. And, That's and, fun. And their chapters. Yeah, it's like a, a, a primer for Image United, kind of. Mm. Yeah, right. Uh, but <laughs> to see Larson and Simpson on the same page, this issue is absolute G-O-L-D gold. Uh, it is large, bombastic. The panels are massive. The action is constant. 
Um, guns ablazing, fists flying. It is amazing. There's a double page uh, spread that is vertical, so you got to turn the book, and it's just amazing. And I was like, man, Simpson is still great, but I always forget poor old Don. He's one of those guys that uh, I just loved everything he ever drew. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Meg- Megaton Man, Border Worlds, um, Wendy Whitebread, like whatever he put out, I would buy it and love it. And there's a uh, an advertisement in this issue. Get the fabulous fine art print by Don Simpson, featuring 44 major characters from Don's mega hero universe, soon to be seen in the graphic super saga Bizarre Heroes, the Apocalypse Affiliation. It was a 15 by 24 print, signed and numbered, limited to only 750. Comes in a uh, custom two-ply poly bag and will be shipped in a sturdy cardboard tube. Whatever. But the characters, you get, of course, Phantom Jungle Girls in here, Tyranno Man, uh, the Meddler, the Slick, Wendy Whitebread's even in it. (laughs) <laughs> right uh forbidden frankenstein uh Jetstream, like all of the characters uh, there's megaton man uh yarn man's in it uh of course megaton man preston percy uh rex rigid like all of the characters that simpson created all in one print and i was like what the hell was i doing when this was offered because it was only 20 bucks and add five dollars to cover shipping and handling, but and you shipped it right to his PO box, which was awesome. But I I need this print, and I'm wondering, I'm assuming that this thing still exists somewhere, like on eBay. I could probably find it if I wanted it. Uh, it is something that I would love to have. And this comic that I picked up for a dollar jogged my memory. Really cool thing about it, oh, another really cool thing, is that in the back there are pinup pages where they switch roles. Mm. Megaton Man is drawn by Eric Larson, and Savage Dragon is drawn by Don Simpson. Nice. Really, really neat. Really neat. And then there's <laughs> the back page. It's an advertisement for Wildstar, which was <laughs> well, no Wildstar was great. Yeah, it was. Way. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was like one of those series that was like, hot damn, this yeah. is really going somewhere. It, his chest is alive. And it was violent and brutal and, and unlike the stuff we were getting from Marvel and DC at that time. Right? But, um, Jason, have you read Splitting Image? That was my, that was the period of time, the only period of time in my life where I wasn't really reading the comics because of college. So. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, supposedly it's based on an idea by Rob Liefeld and Don Simpson, but I'm guessing mm. Simpson. I'm guessing Simpson did a lot of the heavy lifting here because it's all drawn by Simpson, but it's parodies of the image creators and their characters. Aha! Uh-huh. So you got Lotus G. Is <laughs> Jim Lee? God Mc- <laughs> God McFarthing. Uh, Brat lifeguard. For some reason, Eric Larson didn't want his likeness or name parodied because whenever we get wow. to Eric, 
It's it's a character with a, a white sphere for a head, and it's name withheld. I remember that. Yes. Damn. And, and Eric, oh. says, Eric says, I'm the loose cannon of the group. I fearlessly shoot up my mouth at the drop of a hat from behind a cloak of anonymity. Wow, bro, yeah, can I take a that, joke? No, that might have been a um that that might have been a, a jab at uh Peter David's but I digress column. Oh really? Uh, okay. Well then where's Larson in all this? Because next up we got No no no, no I'm saying that was Larson, but I think there was a uh, Oh it was not a... necessarily a beef, but I think I don't know I, I think maybe I'm trying to remember. I don't know if if Peter <laughs> David wrote in one of his columns that somebody basically couldn't couldn't man up and had to be like anonymous or name withheld in sending a letter to or, or, or responding to one of his columns. And I think the the implication was that that was Larson who wrote to him. Oh, nice. Okay, but uh, Brat Lifeguard has a bowl cut. And he's, he's got <laughs> yes, he's a gap too. He's got buck teeth. Um, next up, we got Val J Tasmania, who is a feral motherfucker, like a werewolf, and and of course that is the creative Shadowhawk, of course. Um, then we have Sly Virility <laughs> for for Mark Silvestri, and poor old Wilt uh, Portacio is called Wilt. What's his name? Oh damn! But then l- later on in the series, they call him Wilt Pistachio. Yeah, <laughs> that's fucked up. <laughs> it that's is fucked up. But they just make fun of of Marvel, and eventually their own their own characters. They it's a big uh, yeah. Uh, Jim Lee, aka Lotus G, has a, a computer that makes his comics. He just pumps ideas into them, and the computer comes up with all the uh, the artwork. Uh, there's a real vicious, uh, scathing uh, uh, attack on Marvel. They're called the Marginal Comic Book Conglomerate. <laughs> and all of the image creators are in Marvel. And they're, you know, they're, they're taking a tour. And the, uh, the person speaking to them is uh, drops Excelsior and Pilgrims and all that shit. And uh, it, he shows them action figures based upon characters that they designed and drew. And uh, the Liefeld analog says, hey, these are based on all the new characters recreated for Marginal. And uh, the Larson uh, one says, cool. And I'm guessing Stan says, yes, and they've done quite well for us. We've made a mint. Liefeld asks, can I have one? And Stan (laughs) says, sure, for $12.95 each. And then... (laughs) They get pissed off, and Liefeld tries to attack Stan, and it's a lot of fun. But uh, all drawn in amazing uh, style by Simpson. They don't don't only take um, themselves and Marvel to task, but their characters. Um, Prophet is called Prophet, (laughs) P-R-O-F-I-T. Rip seam, because their costume keeps shredding. Uh, Shaft (laughs) Shaft is called Shave. And uh, Bad Rock is the funniest because Bad Rock has a plastic pail and little tiny shovel that you take to the beach with you uh, lodged to his his head. <laughs> it's great. All for a dollar. This stuff. Well, and Savage Dragon's pretty scathing because he's he's a transvestite. 
and he wears um, fishnets and a and a brassiere and lipstick. Ooh. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> but this was great. <laughs> I, I loved it a lot. It's like, what? Your character breaks spines, and I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Spawn is called Spasm because he has bad anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's, you, it, it, it is it's yes. very clever it's very clever and who better I mean there's only one other person I would like to see draw this and this would be Hillary Barta I think Hillary right. would do a great job on it but we have Don Simpson and it's archived and it's wonderful and it only cost me a buck per issue so for three dollars I have something that gave me the giggles and will continue to do so and like I said I already have them but they are buried somewhere in a short box. I don't even know where. And for me to even remember it, not only go to find it, would be impossible. So I love the dollar bins. I tell Dave every week, I say, you know, I love these dollar bins. They're the best. I don't mind buying stuff that I already have. Because the chances of mm-hmm. me rereading it are slim to none. Because I'd have to, hey, baby, I'd have to go get, I'd have to find the issue. And I don't have my my collection organized by box number. I should, but I don't. So if you asked me to find a particular issue, it would take me forever because I'd have to go through all the boxes sometime in the near future. Maybe during the winter months when things slow down, I'll fire up the CLZ and I'll actually organize my collection by box. That would be great. Because I, I don't have like one box of Swamp Thing. Or two boxes or three boxes of Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing is spread out among hundreds of short boxes. So that's on me. That's pretty stupid. But if I wanted to get Spider-Man 121, I wouldn't know where to look for it. It's in there somewhere, but I, I can't find it because I don't have them organized. So maybe mm-hmm. that, that's a project for a future date. Yeah. So much fun, Dap, right? Absolutely. Splitting image. Yep. Want me to send them to you? So you can read something good? I, I mean, listen, you can bring them in a couple weeks when you're at my crib. Can't wait. I can't wait to see you guys. Same. Oh, dude, it's been a year. Yes, it has. Yeah. Um, I've decided that because it's been so long and we haven't been in the con scenario, New York Comic Con 2023 could be a, a, a terrible shit show. And it's not going to affect me. No, nah, we're going to have a blast. We're going to have fun. We're going to chat up our, our booze. I'm going right over. As soon as we see Daniel Warren Johnson, I'm going up giving him a big-ass hug. Mm, he's not going to be there. But... He's going to be there as a person, not as Oh, a... no, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. You're right. yeah. Um, so I, I just can't wait. Sanford hopefully will be there. Like all of our friends, we're just going to have Artist Out of the List came out today, actually. Like it just came out. And, yeah, um, I want to be surprised. Uh, I didn't look at it. No, I didn't. I, I didn't look at the list, but I do know that um, when I was uh, scrolling earlier, Mahmoud uh, is doing the cover for the program again this year, and uh, and and he said what table he'll be at. So I'm hoping I'll um, maybe this year I'll grab a program and and get him to sign the cover. Oh, there you go. I sh- I think he would love that a lot if you did that. I mean, a lot of the programs will usually have a photo on the cover, so there's nothing to do. But I mean, I just, I, I just thought of it when he when he posted the image because it's a really cool looking, Marvel centric image with all the, um, 
with uh, with with Peter Spider Man and Miles Spider Man and, and I think Miss Marvel. So it's just it's it's a cool looking cover. I like the way it looks. But since he's drawing it, and you know, we always make a point to at least I, he's always busy. Like he's got a line, he's got shit to sign, he's got commissions to do. I get it, and 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 I'm happy. I'm so happy for him. But he always does pick his head up. Comes around the table, says hi to us. He he all um, the time, all the time. Yes, so I, I, he he's he is absolutely. He's always been a highlight of, of every. He's every a New York we go to, and and he's there. I just I I'm I light up. It's it's great to see him, because um, I know the the travel's got to be a bitch and a half. So it's it's just great yeah. for him to be here, and and yeah, and if if he's drawing the cover, then shit, yeah. Why don't I? Uh, I'll. I'll I'll angle to get it signed this year. So is he is he now done with the DC dalliance? He's back at Marvel, like because didn't he do Batman or something? He did he the, the, uh, the Batman versus Robin book. Oh, I didn't hear any of that. I think he's still. Oh, you mean oh, you mean the the more recent one? Yeah, I was going to say he was at DC for it. Yeah, yeah, because he did uh, the Super when uh, New Fifty Two Supergirl. I mean, he's a he's he's a, I assume he's just a freelancer these days, capable yeah. of going wherever he wants to go. Right? Yeah, he's too good. To be, mm-hmm. yeah. Sucks that Marvel lost Conan because that Conan run was glorious. Oh, it really was, yeah. yeah. I, I think Mahmoud was born to draw Conan. Regardless of he thinks of and his he, own and life he was so, We know from, yeah. he was so excited to draw it himself. Like he was legit. It wasn't like you know because you know when you're working for the big two, they come at you with a project. You maybe you know maybe you don't have any choice, or even if you do, you're like okay, whatever. But uh, he was legit. Like that was like a career project for him. He loved it. So, like Steggy, <laughs> right? It's like Steggy. What do you do? I'm drawing Wolverine. Really? Yeah. yeah it's the exoskeleton Wolverine. Like, yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I was like, oh no. I'm drawing Spider-Man. Who is it? It's Doc Ock. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Steggy. I'm drawing the Avengers oh. with Havoc and Rogue. Yeah. <laughs> And Deadpool, but he he came out on top. (laughs) He did all right for himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no one's crying a river for him. I think the Stegman story in Marvel Age One Thousand is the saving grace of that book. Oh, okay. If it wasn't, if that if that wasn't in that book, the book would be absolutely it would be a whiff. Uh, Not to poo poo anybody that actually worked on that, but for my from my perspective, the Stegman story was the best. Okay. I'll yeah. check it out. Yeah. Uh, Jason, are you reading The Incredible Hulk? No, not as of yet. I mean, oh I, I, I'm not like avoiding it per se. I just haven't gotten right. to it yet. You didn't okay. read any of it yet? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I, initially I wasn't I wasn't in on it because of uh, PK, PKJ. PKJ, yeah. but then you guys both said it was, right. it was up to snuff. So. Jason, you know who's coming up in issue four? <laughs> Domino? <laughs> Even better. Uh, even better. The best character ever to come out of Marvel Comics <laughs> next to Spider-Man. Af- after Bronze Spider-Man. Age. After Spider-Man. Bronze Age. Bronze Age Marvel. Ooh. Um, it's not Cable. That's not Bronze well, you Age. Said but, a Bronze Age, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's only two for Vince that would have come out from that era. So. Oh, Venom. <laughs> no, I don't. No. Venom's not bronze. <laughs> you oh, jerk. Yeah, I thought you said, well, no, you did because Cable wasn't Bronze Age either. That's no, 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 no. It's not, I said it's not Cable. Man oh, thing, okay. man thing is coming oh, in. Oh, oh, Incredible oh, Hulk nice. number four. My God, is he still in? Is he still like ruling uh, Weird World with what's her name, or is he back? Uh, he looks uh, like he's well, back. I don't know the continuity. Welcome back, man thing. I don't pay attention. 
Last thing I knew, he was the the uh, Thunderbolts' personal gateway that he would teleport the Thunderbolts around. That's the oh last yeah, that thing. was was that the Warren Ellis run? Maybe I don't know. Hi, cutie. Oh, I the pussy. You get the pussy. You did the baby. <laughs> Who rips me to shreds? Yeah, I guess I deserve it. But so I didn't read issue three, but uh, um, I've been told to read it, but I haven't. So I'm going to get to it. But yeah, okay. I, yeah, I heard there's a text page in it. Uh, is there? Yes. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. 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 Did, the, did you the like it? Is... Oh, did I like the issue? Um, Yes, 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 yes. I mean, it, it, the fucking like, Klein's art is, is phenomenal, of course, but um, it's stupid. It's good. it's it's um, there's a couple of double page spreads, which are always great. Um, some some talking. I did, I did like it. I don't. Whoa, whoa, Charlie's, whoa! What is that? No, no. Tra- Charlie's got to grow on me because it's 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 a kid. And, exactly, and, and you hate she's kids. Not a slacker, but it's like it's yes, I hate kids, but it's it's just. You know, it's it's and and listen, she's she's seen some shit. She she's had some troubles of her own. No she's doubt. been abused by her father. Yes, absolutely. No, I, I'm not. Listen, I'm not saying she doesn't have a reason to be angry or wanting to get out or, or make a change in her life. She absolutely should. I I just I I just need to remember that you know when when you have a headstrong kid like this, um, they're going to do stupid shit in order to get their way. And that's that's the kind of thing that I just like in real life I can't I I I, can't, I have a hard time sitting through that so uh, you know see, seeing someone do this to the Hulk I'm just like I but listen it it's it moves the story along it's it works I'm 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 in the minority here and that's fine it but it is it's it it's a, it's a great issue. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I'm in the minority for not liking. No, it, every every time it, you say it's fine, I think of that dog sitting at the table with the burning room behind him. <laughs> we use that at work. All this, the is time. this is fine. This is fine. This is fine. This is fine here. <laughs> uh, but no, I like I, I like the issue a lot. It, it it's basically, um, I mean, se- the, the second and third issue are base. It, it's just a two part story. So I mean, we're we're PKJ is not. Uh, he's 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 not. He doesn't look like he's. Uh, trying to pad it out for some 12 issue trade it, it's it's uh he's he's telling a story and it's moving along and and i'm happy about that i mean let's be honest charlie is the rick jones to this version of the hulk like she's yeah. the the impetuous yeah kid remember what rick yeah, jones I mean, did even rick jones he's an idiot fucking i'm gonna i'm gonna pluck the guitar over here by this fucking nuclear exactly test site like a dumbass he he, yeah. he was you know a mutog so the idiot from riverdale the the, <laughs> the the cycle of life right it just keeps yeah. repeating and it's okay i like the fact that 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 it's a female this time Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. great. Oh, so, so Charlie is a Charlie's young a female. female sidekick? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, it cast in the Rick Jones mold. Like uh, she's like Dap says, stuff has happened to her. Dad abused her. Uh, she's got the scars to prove it. And she just wants out. She just wants to see the world. That's exactly what Rick Jones was doing back in the early days of the Hulk. The Plucking his is- little guitar on the hood of a car while the fucking gamma bomb goes off, right? Charlie is Charlie gloms on to Hulk 
because Hulk is the strongest there is, and she power. Yeah. She, she's feeding off that strength to be like you know I, I with if I had your strength nobody would fuck with me, and I and so I just the part of me is just waiting for her to, um, maybe I just figure she's just going to be evil, and and that's no. that's just or I I don't know, but it's just it's just it's it's a feeling I have because she's not you know obviously. Banner is trying is warning her stay away don't be near me you're going to get hurt nothing good comes out of me so just go live your life right and and that's and I'm at an age right now where I'm just I I I I, I get illogically frustrated when people don't listen to and and we did it when we were kids when you don't listen to the people who have experience and are trying to warn you of the dangers that are coming if you go down this path. And here's Banner who was like, hey, don't follow me. And Charlie's like, no, I know better. And it's like, you don't. But and, <laughs> and so something something is going to happen to her and 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 and, and something actually almost happens to her in the third issue, which you'll you'll see. But it, it's just it's so but obviously she's here. She's part of the story. She's just a reason for her existence. So I, I I'm 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 fine with it. It's just one of those things where I'm just like Okay, it's it's Hulk with another sidekick, and that's cool. It's just that she's at an age where I'm just like, oh my god, really? So it's fine. Why do you it's hate fine. kids so much? <laughs> <laughs> Charlie did nothing to you. If anything, she, she really should, did. She, she really should. Did. She's she should command your sympathy because she's had a rough life. Yeah, I know, I know. But you just hate. You just so I full do. of hate. If it was a three-legged dog, though, forget about it, man. It'd be the best. <laughs> really, the, the dog could have ripped out a baby's throat. Oh, <laughs> look at that! Dog. a little baby. Exactly. You can understand where he's coming from. He's had a hard life, right? <laughs> a three-legged dog. What is this, Alice in Chains? <laughs> My God! <laughs> One eye. <laughs> Fucking oh, rooster. Shit! <laughs> I got this song in my head. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. But that's okay. I'm cool with it. Yeah. Jason, do you have anything else to talk about? Or you yeah, got listen, a lot of books uh, on your list. I know. Uh, way back in the day, um, I, like many, started reading Giant Days as it was coming out. And, Dap, I forget. Did you read any of it? I did not. Okay. Um, and I read, like, the first two or three trades worth, and... I enjoyed it, but just as we are wont to do because comics and Regina and the show and all that, I just fell behind and then stopped reading it and then stopped ordering it. Um, but it was never because I, I didn't like what I read. So um, some time ago, I guess it was probably a few months back, um, the creative team behind uh, the book, uh, John Allison and Max Aaron, had... Um, actually, I think it was through Boom. So Bo- Boom was the publisher. Boom uh, did a Kickstarter for the complete collection in hardcover. So it was seven hardcovers. And uh, I backed it. And it arrived last week. And it's glorious. First of all, I mean, putting aside the, the story for a second, the, I got to give Boom credit because they – like it, it came in – first of all, the seven – I'll try and take a picture of it and post it on the Slack. But the seven um, – I might have actually already done so – um, in the Kickstarter thread, the the books are all um, different colors, but of course, because it's a collected set of hardcovers, they're all you know the same same trade dress, same same design. So I just you know the the 
shelf porn nerd in me just loves that. Like I have these seven beautiful books, multicolored that all now go together. Uh, and it collects the entire run of the series, which was 54 uh, numerical issues and then a final end cap issue called As Time Goes By. Um, and the book came out originally in 2011 and ran all the way through 2019, October 2019. So kind of pre just right before the pandemic. Um and it's a simple story. I mean, there's not a lot to it. Kind of maybe that's the theme of tonight. It is uh, a story about uh, three young uh, women who are roommates and best friends and are attending university uh, in the UK. Uh, uh, Allison is a, is a British writer, for those that don't know. So most of the stories are set in fictional places in England. Um, and they attend a um, the University of Sheffield. Which, from the the way they write about it in the book, it's like it's it's supposed to be a pretty prestigious school, you know, and uh, and it's it's three lead characters: Esther De Groot, who is a um, she's like a goth girl, you know, and she's all like there's ca- chaos and Sue's around her, but she very much means well. And then there's Susan Ptolemy, and as you might guess from that name, she is the uh, the the deep grounded one. Uh, she's a med student, and then there's Daisy Wooten, who's the um, she's, she's a biracial girl with glasses and she studies archeology. span So she's a bit of a nerd. She's also, um, super sweet, but she's confused about her sexuality. And, um, and, and the, the, the story over those 55 issues is basically about their life at school. Um, so very much it is a slice of life book, but it's just incredibly fun. I mean, it's one of those books where as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, well, okay, Vince is going to go pee while I talk about this. Uh, and Dap needs to read every page of it. Cause I mean, this is totally up your alley, David. Um, you know, it's, it's very much like many of the books um, that, you know, we've kind of celebrated in this ilk over the years. And I think I don't see why you wouldn't love this one too, but um, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, I say there's not a lot to it because it it really is just like journeys in their life, you know, falling in love, getting embarrassed, going to parties, having trouble with class, having trouble affording school, getting a job to pay for school. Um, it, it reminds me a lot in this, the, the, this comic precedes the show I'm about to mention, but it reminds me a lot of the, uh, the sex lies of college girls, which is a show, mm. uh, on, on H on max. I used to say, I was going to say HBO, but, um, Mindy Kaling's the showrunner. And it's about a, a quartet of young women who attend an Ivy league school and, uh, and getting all kinds of hijinks. It's very much of that vein. So if, if you've watched that show, this is a comic version of that. You'll love it. But again, I, I don't want to make it sound like this is derivative of that because this predates that show by many years. Um, so I haven't read all seven volumes yet, but this weekend, just sitting out uh, with my lovely wife, we were reading. It was nice weather. Uh, I ended up reading the first four volumes. Um so I reread, I mean, I reread obviously part of that and then, uh, and then I read new stuff. So I think, let's see the first four volumes, I think take me through issue 32 out of 55. Um, and it's just great. It's a quick, fun read. Max Sarin's art style is terrific. Um, it's very much, uh, cartoony in, um, not, it's not dissimilar to like a, 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 um, like a Kyle Starks vibe, you know, right. Um, little more rounded um, than that, but, but, but on point, um, just 
just enough lines on the page to tell the story, right? Like it's not going to be this hyper detailed kind of thing. And uh, I think it's wonderful. And and I really think that the trade dress and the package they put together for this makes it all the, all the more special. You can get it lots of other ways. I'm sure you can get the trades or I'm sure the single issues are easy to track down. But uh, it's a series that I think was pretty well celebrated by a certain segment of the comics community because at the time there weren't many books geared towards um, – you know, twenty-something women, and that's what I think this was a target audience for. But, uh, but I guess as a almost fifty-year-old man, I should—I think I'm evidence that the book spans beyond that intended target audience. <laughs> it does look great. Yeah, because Boom Boom has a uh, has a preview of uh, the first volume, I guess, of the trade, and I—I I mean, I remember when it was coming out. And yeah, it was just one of those things where I think by the time I, it was well underway, but by, by, by the time I had any uh, any desire to see what everybody was talking about. And as as predicted, this must be Ping. Yeah, normally he'll let us know. No, I'm Dude, not. He's on brand. He went and got, he know you went and peed as soon as he heard me. Say, oh. I I did not pee. I'm actually emailing Josh Bayer right now. Ah. Yeah, because something messed up his 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 night, and Aww. he emailed me, and and you know, so uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can't connect with him right now, just so we can touch base, tell him how much we love him, and sure. and get this thing done. We don't have to go all in, but uh, trying to because we're not in London. Not nah, didn't connect. Oh, oh well. Hey, that can happen. It 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 happens. It happens. But you Does know he what? Got the same uh, ISP as uh, Fabian Nicieza. <laughs> no, because Vince is trying to connect. So uh, <laughs> we have. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I we we all know that New York isn't is an ideal for for shopping so much, except for our boy with the with the magazines, but. Um, Jason, I will. Yeah, I will keep an eye out um, for Heroes next year for for Giant Days because I know the Kickstarter. Yeah, I did see. I did see the Kickstarter, and I was and and they had some fantastic perks. Those tiers were slamming. Um, but yeah, as, and, as and to be fair, I, it, it was not it, like it was. Even though I think they did a great job with it, and and like I said, they gave a ton of other like they gave uh, you know bookmarks and posters and buttons and like all kinds of swag. I mean it I don't as you guys know I'm not super into the swag myself but uh but like for I think in terms of the kinds of things you you get as extras in these packages they definitely hooked it up. But it was it was not an inexpensive purchase. Like right. if you hadn't had any experience with Giant Days before, it would have been hard to confidently plunk down 180 bucks, which is what the 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 seven volumes cost. So yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so I'll look for the trades at uh, at Heroes, if not sooner. Yeah, no, but you're you're right, Jason. You're dead on. I I probably wouldn't read this, but uh, glad you enjoyed it. No doubt. Yeah, that adds nothing to the conversation. <laughs> well, listen, we all know each other well enough that sometimes you read something and you get excited because you want to turn the other people's onto it, and then other times you're reading something and you're thinking, oh, this would not be that person's thing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought when I was reading the first issue of Scrapper. I'm like, Dap is going to eat this shit up. 
And I knew it. Like, we, we know each other. We know what we love, and we know what doesn't attract us. And that's okay. Right? That is okay. I like to, te- to tease you about your um, young girl coming to terms with her sexuality books. But... <laughs> There's a little Listen, bit of it is what it is, right? there's a little bit of truth in that, right? And and you know, like a lot of the stuff that I read, you will not touch, and that's okay. That's all right. Okay. I I was pleased that you at least um, attempted, or I'm sure you you read it all, um, unended, right? Because oh yeah, well listen, I love Bear. I mean, you turned me on to Bear years ago, but I'm a fan of his. I've got a few commissions from him. I think he's great. I mean, he's he's an inc- incredibly creative person. You know, I mean, his his work is challenging, but in all the right ways. He's the Wolverine of comics. He's the, <laughs> he's the I mean, best there is at what Jack, he does. You know, I was going to sorry, I, I was going to say just in keeping with the uh, the young women coming of age thing. I mean, Dap, I think this is right in the same vein as Axel Lenoir stuff. And that's your okay. Girl. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's 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 racy. It's probably a little less overtly sexual than Axel at times, but like it's still racy. I mean, they get their, you know, like it's 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 not. You know, this isn't a pre like this isn't like a preteen type of a thing. This is you know, this is grown ass women in college having grown ass lives. You know. Okay. Okay. I know that uh, the second volume of Secret. No, this the next volume of well. As you know, what if they were is is on its way, um, but the uh, the secret passages was getting a slight delay because of the because um, of the English translation. But um, but she's working on it, so hopefully we'll get that soonish. Because yeah, I I could uh, that this is just something about that art style. I just I it 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 makes my heart sing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm proud to report that you were not breaking up at all during the job. Oh, this yes, is lovely. You, you did not. Yeah, no, you were great. So, so maybe maybe the the cord is helping, but the being next to the fan, the fan's not running right now. So maybe that's and that's why it's nice and quiet. So if no, I can get a laptop, it's not the fan the, doesn't overclock. It's not the fan. It's not. It might not be the fan, but it is quiet. We don't hear the wind behind it. No, but there is something. There's still some type of interference. I don't know. Could be, could be the the gamma rays. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I was so vexed last episode. Remind me, did I talk about convoy on the episode or not? Convoy. Uh, I didn't write. You, no, because you mentioned because because Vince asked what it was and I said it's a magnetic book. But I don't know how. I don't think you got very far because I was breaking up, and then I was like, "Fuck it, I'm not." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. I was like, "I'm not going to." Right, but it was good. mentioned. But yeah. No. Uh, no. I, I don't okay, know about okay. it. Yeah. No. No. I, I because I the um, that book was part of a two volume as as um, you guys know this, but for our listeners, Magnetic, who we talk about a lot, they've been doing a thing probably like the last two or three years where when they do Kickstarters, they usually do like a, a tandem book, a pair of books. And it's usually like by the same European creators. Um, and uh, that was the case with this. They, they, they did a Kickstarter for uh, two books called uh, Convoy and Mezcal, M-E-Z-K-A-L. And the, um, 
for the reason they solicited them together are they both the same creative team. Uh, it, both were written by Kevin Stevens and illustrated by Jeff. That's just the creator's name is uh, J E F. Uh, and when they solicited these, they said uh, it's a, it was, they pitched it as a grindhouse double feature. So I had intended last week to talk about convoy because I read it and it was, uh, we have, know, it was, it was terrific. What? I hate to, um, interrupt you but we have josh oh hi yay there he is hey awesome because we 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 sorry jason we went into the episode talking up uh unended so we did cover it a little bit but uh now that you're here we can get into it thank you a little more you're looking awesome my man thank you thank you i had a really really hectic night Sorry about that. Um, you can, for your own benefit, you can turn off the video if you want, because it's just it's strictly audio. Oh, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. It was uh, nice to no, see you. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, good to see you too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been a while. It has been a while. For those of you guys playing at home, uh, this guy is a Renaissance man. He's a, a, a an a writer. A storyteller, an artist, without peer. Uh, we've talked about his work here many times. Raw Power, Theth, um, of course, the all-time comic stuff, the ROM stuff that he's done, the Abysmalation anthology of collected short works. But he has a new book, and it's called Unended. And man, <laughs> Josh, I got to say, it is some powerful, dense heady stuff uh i i went into the episode saying it's like being hit by an ignatz brick thrown by god it is really (laughs) and i love i love the contents page where you're actually being pelted by a brick being thrown by god (laughs) yeah i got really obsessed with that image i repeated it a few times in the book i think there's I think there's an arm throwing something on maybe the slip cover too. Oh, yeah, I nice. do that a couple of times. Wait a minute, this comes with a slip cover? What what edition is that? It comes we had four hundred copies uh printed with a slip cover and I haven't seen those yet. They're on their way. I should see them at SPX. Um it was kinda cool the uh un um uncivilized, they normally have authors do a what do they call it? A book plate, and I said, "Well, what's a book plate?" And they said, "Well, it's kind of like a a tiny book sized poster." And I thought to myself, "That's the type of thing that I would lose track of." And months later, I'd find it and be like, "Well, what am I? Do I use it as a bookmark? Do I frame it?" And I'm already kind of busting bursting at the seams with books, so I'd, I'd, I'm afraid it's the type of thing that wouldn't have as n- enough of a use. So I said, well, can we do a slipcover, slipcase? And uh, they agreed to it. And, uh, yeah, that's my understanding. I also insisted that we do it as a paperback book. And normally, Uncivilized does uh, hardcover. But to me, uh, softcovers feel more like comics. So uh, that was – the slipcover also kind of dresses that up. So I can kind of have – something look fancy but also be as accessible as a comic wow and that's just an xps xpx thing 
Oh, no, it'll be available through my website. It's available through Uncivilized. Uh, I charge 10 extra dollars for the slip cover, but I was just going to give them away for the first couple hundred readers, but I had to spend a, a grip of money to get, I just spent like 300 bucks to get copies to SPX to sell. Right. So it's my way of kind of breaking, breaking even a little bit. My dude, I want one with the slipcase. So just casually knock one to the side because I got to have it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I got to say, I mean, we all read the book, but there were times, many times during the reading of this thing where I felt like I was a voyeur. I felt like I maybe was listening in on a conversation that I shouldn't be or, um, you know, observing an interaction that was a little too uncomfortable you know because it's raw it's real there's a realism in this book that is 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 weight there's weight to it it's heady and it and you carry it with you after you close the cover and i thought well i i knew josh as a creator before this but now i feel like i know you even better because this book is really about not only your father but it's this is a book about you right and now I know many things make more sense to me, like right. the fact the fact that you're straight edge, and the fact that you launch yourself into work constantly, and now I kind of know why, right? Through all these events that you detail in the book, it makes so much sense. Tell me why. <laughs> that the well, yeah, I know you be you're being funny, but um, the 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 one scene that really stuck with me is is the the interaction with your dad where you're expending all this creative energy into making comics and you're like, dad, I made a new comic. I want to show you. And he's just like, yeah, just leave it on the nightstand, whatever. And inevitably the Charlie Brown syndrome, which was brilliant by the way, that you uh, compare yourself to Mm. Charlie Brown trying to kick that damn football. The repeated results are always, unfavorable yet you keep pounding against that wall to try and get some kind of acknowledgement from your dad and he just keeps flipping the book at you and i was like oh so no wonder you have like this puritan work ethic on steroids where you're just constantly making stuff and constantly creating it's just to scream to the world like i exist here i am take notice right Am I yeah, am I off base with that? No, not at all. Uh, that's all those things ring a bell. That is, uh, yeah, yeah. My parents, they um, if they wanted to create an obsessed comic book maker, they couldn't have, they couldn't have store, you know, done a better job. They couldn't have stirred up a bigger um, nest of bees in me because at the point where. I was upset, the most obsessed with comics. They would, um, they like really policed me. Like it was some kind of, um, really like something from another era. You know, you just, most parents, especially these days, their kids are into what they're into and it's in the background. And as long as they're entertaining themselves, my parents would literally tell me that this stuff is not normal, that uh, you're too obsessed with it. Uh, you, your job, my dad would say, you have a job, it's to go to school. And you're not getting good grades, so you're not allowed to read comic books or draw them. And 
it didn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, it was a, uh, it was the one thing I was interested in and, uh, it was fully prohibited in my class, in my house. Plus it was right at the period like 1980. I know this is a very, I know this, this podcast is really inspired by, um, uh, the same, I think the same kind of comic shaped us all. Uh, like the period where John Byrne was on the X-Men was a period where I knew those comics were coming out and I would get in major trouble if I, you know, um, even if I was able to get 50 cents, if I was to somehow go over to the store and buy a copy of it. I remember seeing like the Teen Titans like in a store like a year into the George Perez run and I'd missed all these issues. And there's like an issue where like Robin's costume is like half torn off. I'm like, oh, I didn't know he had a green chain mail under his suit and it was like um i was i missed all these issues i went and saw and read them as an adult they didn't mean anything to me but that sense of needing of really connecting to this this art form and all really at a key period having it become bigger than life because it was out of my grasp has really shaped uh the obsessed person that turned into right you know it's just another thing that i love about you that you are firmly lodged within the indie comics world, right? And a lot of those guys, let's be honest, they kind of poo-poo the superhero stuff. It's like, I've outgrown that. But you embrace it. This is where I came from, and I just can't let this stuff go. That that's extremely refreshing in your stuff. Now, I mean, we we you know, Rom in this book. There's uh, asides to Ghost Rider, which I thought was great. Um, Thank you. And 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 you 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 latch on to the the things that we love from comics and use them to perpetuate this this Josh Bayer narrative, like in Abysmalation. The Garfield stuff is beautiful. I I think that those are some of your best strips ever. And it's just, it's just you reveling in this stuff. Like Jim Davis is is trying to come to kill you. Like that is that is so much fun, and it's filtered through this incredibly dense, super detailed lens of Josh Bayer that you just don't get this stuff from everybody. Like you do a singular thing amazingly well, and I've just one of the things that we try to do here is like let people know. You guys are missing out. If you're not on this stuff, this is some groundbreaking stuff. And we've been tooting your horn forever that your stuff is so different, but it's so amazing. And and you're one of a kind. That's what I'm trying to say in a long-winded, stupid way. You know? Uh, thank you. I, I, I like long, long-winded, long stupid ways. Um, <laughs> was that flattering towards me? I... Um, <laughs> I uh, yeah, thanks. I, I really enjoyed the way Abysmalation came out a lot. That was a really good, uh, you know, really good relation um, result of a. It was a really good fertile relationship with the publisher, the editor, who's JT Ghost. If you know him, yeah. I mean, JT took those pay. Like in my experience, I've been heartbroken about how my watercolor stuff, especially, looks in print. I did a few books that were. Uh, watercolor and analog medium, and I always was would be, would be very very disappointed at the result. And JT actually photographed all those pages, not with a scanner, but with a camera. So it's the first time I've ever had stuff which is done in marker, and there's you know 
There's under pencils that don't get in the way. There's watercolors, a lot of mixed media. Some of it's in pencil, and it really it, it it's an art book, but it's also something that you can read. And it would have been a nightmare if that had come out and had been um, looked the way that my my scanned watercolors had in the past. Right. The reason I developed my digital technique that I use on on um, Tomorrow Forever and on Unended and my book RM. Uh, was because I, I had to do something because my um, watercolor stuff is just pinning, uh, printing out so pale and kind of like off balance. And what I discovered is that if you, you know, anybody who's used the scanner, even if you're not an artist, think about the way that, you know, you're using a photocopier and you have those lights that come and flash onto the image. It blows out your art. So that's fine to black and white. But with uh, watercolor, it really distorts it. So uh, that was a really, um, it was a very happy, very surprising result that JT took, uh, you know, took the, took, took, you know, really took an, a, a, a very like signature position in that book looking so amazing and so successful. Yeah, it does look really, really good. Um, a lot of the color I noticed, uh, and I know it's digital, but some of the color would challenge traditional four color printing press. Like oh. there's a, there's a lot of really high chroma color in this book. And I was like, damn, who printed this thing? Because it is on point. The, mm -hmm. the colors are vibrant. Um, and, and the saturation is really good. So I was like, I need to know who printed this because uh, I mean, I'm in printing and a yeah. lot of, a lot of this stuff would really challenge somebody to get it, to capture it. Um, authentically to get it you know the way you intended it to be uh, i'll put you in touch with uh tom k from uncivilized if you really uh want to pursue like some uh, have some questions for him or want to talk to him sure. professional professional yeah he was i mean it was done in china that's all i know uh, it's, it, it came out extremely well yeah yeah but uh, going back going back to one thing you said about indie artists and superhero stuff I think most, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I mean, for one thing, I'm older than a lot of, a lot of, uh, people who, you know, uh, who, who are in the scene. And I think that they are just as sentimental and embracing of their own, their own kind of, uh, mainstream pop, pulp culture. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you talk to these kids about, uh, Pokemon or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or whatever Generation Z is into, and they, They've, I've always, I've always been ten years behind my my friends who are doing comics. So like Pat Alicio and that scene, those those guys would be they have a, they have a lot of affection for uh, stuff that I was a, I kind of missed the boat on. Like they were really they had kind of a love hate relationship with Image, and I just had a hate relationship with Image. Right. I was like nineteen when that stuff came out and thought it was uh, thought it was terrible, um, and. They, uh, I, you know, over time, I think I've, um, I like what it inspired. I like, I don't, I don't like certain artists. I like the artists who are interpreting them through their own lens. But I don't know that, uh, don't, I feel like they embrace, I mean, everybody always wants to do uh, a zine about, you know, Christina Aguilera or Britney Spears or the Spice Girls or whatever is big and dumb and populist and kind of 
forms an umbrella that a lot of people can get can get under. For one thing, somebody who doesn't read any comics will be like, oh, um, you know, uh, it, this is all about The Office, so I'll read it. Or this is all about um, 1990s X-Men cartoon. You know, I'll, I'll read it. So I do, I do think that, and, and even me, it, like in my academic classes, I like sort of reluctantly will introduce the superhero stuff, but all my students know that the stuff I'm into and when I do present it, right. I'm as passionate about most of that as I am, um, you know, uh, the other stuff, which is um, part of a different canon. Um, right. I'll talk about it as, I'll talk about Tony Bazungia pretty much as lovingly as I talk about Milton Kniff and I'll talk about, I've been looking at um, Al Williamson lately, just blown away at right. how consistent he was. And I think those, uh, all my students basically accept it. But, you know, I teach illustration as well as comics in my early, like my, in my early um, evaluations, some students would say enough of the comics. So I, I tried it from the beginning in my classes now I tell them this is who I am, but I'm going to try to give you a platform that is equal parts appeals to the people in here who want to be fine artists, the people who want to be illustrators, and the people who want to be cartoonists. But I just learned to not to to, to uh, I, I'm so enthusiastic about it. I try to keep dim it down a little bit because even at a five, my enthusiasm will probably read it as being at a 10. Right, right. I encountered the same problem with my students where they can see I'm going down that road of comics and I see the eye rolls coming. And <laughs> uh, like I had one student that I have a Joe Kubert signature tattoo on my arm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they're just like, who's this Joe Kubert guy? And you open that door, I'm going to walk into that room and just start, right? So there's after a while and the, the, the kids are just like, can we not hear any more about Tarzan? It's like, I'm sorry, but these are the guys that you need to know about. These are illustrators that they were denigrated by, quote, fine artists at, you know, at large. But these guys could draw anything and draw mm -hmm. them well and without reference in a lot of cases. So you should be aspiring to be these guys, not, you know, poo-pooing them and, and disregarding them because they were monsters in their field. How can you not love Kubert? And, right. and anybody who has a fine art sensibility, his stuff looks like, it looks more like a, um, I don't know, it's very unconventional for mainstream comics. Yep. The, the sense of like dust and dirt, it's like a, uh, it's like a spaghetti Western. Totally gritty, right? He was, he was the perfect artist for Sergeant Rock. Nobody could have rendered that, re that, that reality as well as Joe Kubert, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, some guys could have done it with more visual panache, or maybe um, more, uh, you know, accurately rendered the, the 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 characters in the vehicles. But Joe gave it a gritty realism that nobody could produce. I think, and I just, I, I mean, I love his stuff. I respect his sons, but the sons don't have all the key things that's appealing to Joe. Uh, that's appealing to me about Joe's work is. Like you said, how weathered and textured everything is. Yeah, it has some elements that are very gestural. Like he'll, his shadows just look like he's doing them so intuitively, and he doesn't idealize, or at least he doesn't idealize um, as fetishistically as other artists do. 
and his sons are perfectly good and they're, they have their own vision, but it doesn't have, um, yeah, it, it doesn't have that really, um, that depth that Joe's stuff has. And the only time I remember in like 20 years ago before Joe died, uh, some of his last work was like inking on top of Adam Kubert for like the ultimate X-Men series. And I remember I'd just been hating, because I was reading it, because I liked Mark Millar a lot at the time. And uh, it was and it was the first time I liked the work, and then I looked at the credits, and I was like, oh, his dad inked this. And I guess, as far as inkers go, he does tend to be somebody who really overpowers the pencils. Sure, yeah. When I, when I met Joe, he had inked over uh, one of his sons on that Before Watchmen stuff. And the, and the stuff looked great, uh, but because Joe was, like, the guiding force of it. And you would think, like, the son would learn, like, wow, look what my dad did to my <laughs> pencils. <laughs> like, pick up some of that stuff. But I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't want to shit on the sons. I think they're, no. very, they're very talented guys. It's just that they have their thing, and their dad, you know, did it right. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Um, so let, let's get back to unended for a little while. Sure. One of the things I, I wasn't I wasn't a little mad at you, but if if I was reading this and you were in the room, there was a couple of things in this book where I'm just like, man, the, the thing that got me was the intro with Pettibon, <laughs> how you went back to him and he validated you, uh-huh. you know, and then. Uh, the thing with your dad and and the comics, you were just looking for some kind of validation. And I'm like, God damn it. This is Josh Bear. He does not need to be validated by anyone. So I was, I was a little, I felt some kind of way when he's like, okay, I endorse you. I'm like, bullshit. He doesn't need your endorsement. This is, this is Josh Bayer, man. Did you, so I love it. Thank you. That's a huge compliment. <laughs> that last, you know, the last him, me knocking on his door and saying, I need you to say something that validates me. That was a fiction. I, but what happened was I tracked down Pettibone. I said to him, just what happened in the comic? I want to talk to you. I don't really expect you to write an intro, but I could, we could have a conversation and I could probably transcribe it and turn it into an intro. And then when I read it, it was a great conversation, but it didn't. he didn't build that bridge back to my work. And I just needed one more line. And I played it out of my head. And I was like, if I go over and I, and I force the issue, he's going to, it's a very petty bone like gesture. Like, what do you want from me? Like, you want me to say, I validate you. Okay. I validate you much for many of the reasons that you just said, like he, I think he would find that to be, um, absurd, you know? Right. And he, uh, so yeah, that part was, that was a very true dialogue and the whole dialogue I also I, I recorded it and then I there I created a transcript of it and if anybody reads Bubble Zine the whole transcription is in Bubbles. Uh, but yeah, I didn't. I, I would love to put introduction from Raymond Pettibone, but it's kind of an anti-introduction, so I didn't put that on the cover, and people will see it. It's still it's still um, it's it still is what it is. It's still. Um, uh, there when people open up the cover. So it's a, kind of an intro and kind of an anti-intro. So, uh, yeah, so at least you can know that I didn't, um, you know, I'm a fiction writer, so I didn't yeah. really, I, 
I, but you know, I do really like that you said that. I honestly didn't make that connection. That's an absolute, there absolutely is a, um, there is a link between those two things. You got Pettibone talking about his relationship with his father. You have me dealing with my father, which is the reason that his intro belonged in there. And then I didn't even think about the idea that I'm also literally asking him for to say that he endorses me yeah, or it's, it, validates it's, me, but same thing. They're pretty powerful bookends. Yeah, I picked up on that immediate, and I was like, I mean, you know how I feel about your work, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Is there ever a time when you, you know, you finish the page and you pull back and you look at it and you're just like, "Damn, I'm good." Like, do you do that? Do you have do you have <laughs> self worth? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Hopefully, it's somewhere between those, those two extremes. I have. I have days where I'm really happy with what I've done. Usually on the same page, I feel differently in the morning. I do love it. I, I, I can't accept an outrageous compliment like that, but thank you so much. Ah, oh, come on. Another one of the things about the book that I found fascinating is the fact that the majority of the time you depict yourself in shadow like there's almost almost no facial features at all and and you said it yourself it's hard to see yourself are you still are you still seeking the the visual identity of josh bayer or yeah yeah definitely well that's good Uh, on on a lot of different levels my basic my basic rationale for blacking out my face was this is the first in a lot of ways this is a sequel to theft but it's the first time, and Theft is a stand-in for me, but I've identified, you know, it's, it's an avatar. And it's the first time I haven't used an avatar, and, but it's still fiction. Whenever you write about yourself, it's, it's fiction. There's things in the comic that didn't happen. There's many, many things that are biographical. There's some things that I exaggerate. Um, I tried not to exaggerate in a self-serving way. I sometimes will exaggerate just to sort of embrace the language of comics. Um, for example, my dad would would throw my work at me right. when I get, when I showed it to him. He didn't throw it so the pages went through the air and perfectly smacked in my face. The paper doesn't doesn't do that. <laughs> like it's a, like somehow it's a wet piece of paper. But it, um, other than that, that's pr- that's actually true. And yeah, but I do recognize. Who knows what I remember in the book and what I don't. You know, I talked to my brothers about how we took the book when we, we all found it together, as I depict in the comic. My, for people who haven't read the book yet, my dad died in 2010. And while we were, you know, dealing, sorting through the aftermath of him passing away, uh, my stepmother came out with a box of his writing and gave it to us. And my brothers, my brother Dan and John, remember that she didn't give it to us. We just took it. And that's not what I remember. So who knows which one is right? It's also possible that I misunderstood and that they did that when I wasn't in the room. But um, there is, yeah, you're, uh, they, they, as much as I'm certain that, that my, my recollection of my childhood is accurate, my parents have a much different version. And that is, who knows which one is true. I don't think I hallucinated, um, you know, a solid 18 years of uh, these consistent patterns of, uh, of outrageous behavior and rage and all the other things I dealt with. I didn't hallucinate them putting me in a, 
uh, you know, at home for troubled teams for a year when I was a teenager. You know, they, uh, they all, all those things are true. But study memory, and you'll find out that memory is very different from what we think it is. So sure. I came up with the idea that I'd black out the face to kind of acknowledge that this is me, but it's not me. Right. Because I, 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 I go down the creative chain and I think, okay, his face is obscured. There's a lack of detail, which means it's unformed. You're uncertain. And I just keep, keep traveling down that, that conceptual bridge to try and get to what are you trying to say with this? And, uh, I mean, the, the luxury of having you here and actually telling us is, is, is amazing because, you know, you're the architect of this reality. Whether parts of it are true or, or not, as an observer into this world, you're the authority. So we take what you say as, you know, the law. This is the way it happened. It doesn't matter to me as, as a reader whether or not the Pettibone okay. thing was completely true. What matters right. to me is this is how you interpreted those events. That's, you know, because that gives us a window into, you know, who you are, right? Right. And uh, the, the whole face darkening thing was, I thought, I thought it was, it was, it was sublime and poignant and odd because from my vantage point, I look at you and your work and I'm like, this guy should be made of bronze. Like he should be walking down the street illuminated and glistening. And like, I'm Josh Bayer, bitch, <laughs> you know? And to, <laughs> to, to, to know that you see yourself in a completely different way. It's, it's cool to, to, to perceive that. And uh, it's just another one of the things that I, I love about this book. Uh, another thing, you're not going to believe this, but the, the whole trip in the Oldsmobile, and I, yeah. I kind of giggled when you said, is this a Cadillac? <laughs> but the finger knives thing, dude, yeah. I used to do this kind of the same thing. Like I'd put my hand out the window and I would imagine myself shooting fire from my fingers and just cool. raising the landscape, like burning everything. And when you did that finger knives thing, I was like, holy shit, like there's another weirdo in this world who has done things that I've done. Like that sequence is great. Thank you. But, I, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, it's really funny to hear somebody, uh, you know, the, the lines really blur for me on this book. I lived with it for four or five years, kind of took on a, you know, almost became sentient and, uh, yeah, it's, really cool this is what i wanted i wanted people to get really introduced to my world and and like i said i read um kerouac when i was 18 and i was like those motherfuckers this was normal people lots of kids you're either depend you're either imagining you're cutting through the landscape with a laser beam or a flame which i love or um uh kerouac said that he would imagine he had a huge saber, which is such a 1920s idea or yeah. whatever he did. Like an Errol saber. Flynn type thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just amazing. Amazing stuff. Um, another thing about the book that I was uh, very pleased to experience was the relationship you have with Hyena. Yes. 
because it's it's a nice little you know when when people uh because i i watch i follow you on social media i follow her and stuff and and the way you guys interact on social media like if i could find like ship the perfect person for josh bayer it would kind of be her it's weird right like how did you guys meet um it's kind of a nice story because um she saw my stuff in henry and glenn Oh, it's going back. Yeah. Yeah, we met in, um, I think we were first in touch in like 2015 or something. And she, you know, when I did my Henry and Gwen book, I'm like an obsessive Rollins and Danzig fan. I'm not, uh, I I poo-poo people who just know the mother song of Danzig. I like, just not even putting aside the misfits. Those first four albums are, are excellent. And, um, uh, Every and on the Rollins on the same way. Um, stuff that he did before he became the first four albums before he became the Lollapalooza guy. Uh, first four, if you count like a live album, are really very really really significant. And it's sad that that stuff, by the way, isn't out there. Um, Rollins actually sort of keeps a pretty tight. He keeps all his um, catalog pretty locked down. It's not on any streaming platform. Right. You can maybe hear it on YouTube maybe buy the original CDs from him. And that's a whole other uh, topic. But when I did the book, I laced it with like deep cuts. I'm talking about like, um, you know, songs from the second side of Danzig three and other, I'm talking about Rollins, like coming and burn album. And right. I'm ta- I, I really know those guys career like the back of my hand. And she's the same way. Not only that, she, like, she knows every, every like kind of forsaken Iggy Pop album. She listens to Lou Reed's um uh what's that album he did after the blue like everything between the blue mask and um New Sensation. She knows those albums really well. She doesn't wow. care if nobody else likes them. So she recognized another fanatic weirdo and she was like, Who is this guy? And then she's um she was trying to be my friend. And I was like, I'm not used to people. Um, I don't know what to make of it when um, when uh, somebody is so upfront with liking me. But that's how she was. And she planned a trip to New York. She's like, I'm going to meet you. <laughs> and she uh, made a uh, pretext to come to New York. And then we met. And then we've been together ever since. Uh, We're very, very tight partners, despite being in different cities. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I, I love the, the interplay between you two. And she cuts to the bone, man. She does not pull punches. Right. Which is she, amazing. She's changed me a lot. I, I was telling somebody about her recently, and it's like I was. I have like story after story to tell a lot of the times where she is in my corner and she's giving me like she's giving, she's really a great consultant in all things, in all things, all realms. I've become very different from meeting her. I've seen things in much less black and white ways. That's great. Yeah. Uh, again, I had to laugh when, uh, you know, you're telling her all about the, you know, your dad and, and the stuff in the, that you're planning for the, the book. And she's like, Oh yeah. You know, you're, you're the, the champion of, sh- of suffering. Woe is you, you know, <laughs> like that is great. She's, does not give a shit which is yeah. it's awesome I, I i hope the relationship 
endures forever. I really do because it just seems like you guys are two two pieces that fit together really, really well. Thank you for that thought. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Another thing which was really cool is the freaking Lemmy stuff with the Motorhead and the Star Trek episodes. That was really cool and unexpected. Mm-hmm, thanks. Uh, how did that come about? It's just I just listened to my. Um, I just kind of let, like have my radar up when I'm doing a story and see what feels right for it. The idea of Lemmy being somehow being on Star Trek, like we'll let you know this is a fictional world. Yeah. Somehow it's our planet. It's everything is the same except in this dimension. Lemmy all was Lemmy, and he also was cast in a Star Trek show. I think I found a comic where. I was, I was saying to Hyena, isn't Lemmy have kind of a posh accent? He's like, I can't. What kind of English accent does he have? He kind of talks like, he kind of talks like uh, Patrick Stewart. But then again, Patrick Stewart is probably uh, he sort of, he comes from a very lower, lower working class uh, background. But n- more than that, he talks like Jean Luc Picard. He's kind of got this. He's just less fancy. He has kind of a harsher demeanor, right? Like a combination of Picard and Worf. And maybe that's what triggered it. And a lot of time, I just gave an assignment to my students where I asked them to do a dual narrative. And I said that in my work, you often see dual narratives where there's some, uh, there's a private narrative, there's a public narrative. There's a show that everybody can watch. It forms an umbrella that everybody is broad enough that everybody can get into. It what might be a song or it might be a TV show or a band or Ghost Rider or Lemmy. And um, the uh, and again, I gave and I gave that assignment to my students. I said, take an incident that happened to you, or this closely modeled after something happened to you, and then I want you to pair it with another narrative that is out of the blue, that is something a character might be watching, or a song that they're listening to, or an MTV video they're listening to, and it will. I'm like, just see what happens. Try to see, maybe this do things will resolve each other and maybe you'll be open-ended and give the, the story a sense of mystery. And that's pretty much the way that I'm, um, the, what I want for my own story. Right. Well, the image of, of Lemmy as a Starfleet officer with a giant scythe, <laughs> pretty damn compelling, right? I, I, I want to see that. Yeah, me too. And and we're 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 lesser people because it doesn't exist. That would be really cool, right? Um so the the whole chewy center of this book is that you're trying to make sense out of your 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 father's play, which is unfinished, right? And mm-hmm. come up with an ending. And yeah. I I thought the journey um of you trying to decipher what he had written or, or like making sense of the, the fits and starts of the play was like in a way reassembling and, you know, rearranging the memories you have of your dad trying to piece together the person he was. And let's be honest, anybody who reads this knows the guy wasn't perfect, mm-hmm. but he, uh, he obviously meant something to you to make the effort that you made to, to decipher what he had written True. And and yeah. I, I have to, I have to be honest. I'm not entirely sure that I understand all of the Poe ending. 
the Bella oh. Lugosi playing, you know, doing the the Poe stuff on stage. I I I understand it to a point, but maybe you know you can flesh out a little bit more for me of of how uh, like the Telltale Heart part where there's something working on this guy that no one else can hear. Like that's appropriate to the narrative where you have this this ghost of your dad that's impacting you in a way that nobody understands but you so that you hear the beating of that heart and you're, you, you 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 know you talk like don't you hear that like that's my that's my the my father's resonance in on this world like i need to decipher this where i get that part about the telltale heart but the whole like why did you pick bella lugosi i don't know i i uh am not entirely sure i the whole story came to me when it came to me and i stayed i kept the structure when i first wrote it and i knew that i had this story that didn't have a cap and i needed to force something into it so forcing something that didn't fit if it doesn't fit that's kind of the point and i do my best to make it fit but i'm not not going to end this unendable thing so having this third act that is like this uneasy seal on this uh this project that needs to be resolved is uh, exactly what you said it is something that doesn't entirely there's a disconnect right and, and i decided like you said you enter this comic you're entering a world where it is it's the rules of the author and that's interesting too that's core it's meta you know it's core to the ideas of the story um what what um what is it to be to do successful writing and uh what does it mean to you how do you make work mean something to other people and um the uh yes yeah, so that that came to me i was reading a book about bail go see at the time and uh i decided in in this world like it's following following my rules so inexplicably bail go could still be alive um my publisher said at one point, maybe introduce Bela Lugosi earlier. And I have like one tiny drawing of him very early, but I didn't think that was terribly important, especially because it's supposed to be an interruption and a shock. Right. Well, I, you, you're aware of the, the history of Bela Lugosi, where at one time he was celebrated, but towards the end of his career, you know, he was an addict and fell out yeah. of favor and appeared in low-budget Ed Wood movies and very far f- removed from the, the stature he once had. And I thought that aspect of it was, okay, I get that part because dad at one time was the driving force of this family and, and you know, an inescapable presence in this this unit. And then towards the end or towards the, the later years, he receded a little bit with the you know seclusion in the room and you had to go to him and he was he was always like by himself or removed from the family like i get that part so uh but the the ending is intensely surreal and i think that benefits the book conceptually in that you didn't end this thing that your dad left unfinished you just wrapped it in a in a mesmerizing shell 
that just left mm. what was left what what exists as it was and just said like I can't put a punctuation mark at the end of the sentence because I'm not that person. So this is how I translated it. This is where I'm 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 letting it lay. And I thought that was great. Thank you. Yeah, it's you know, I think that you have my dad's play which is not going to be remembered. You have my work that I don't know who knows like what legacy I'll leave behind. Then you have um, Edgar Allan Poe, who even if you have never read his stuff, you can probably recite a couple lines from The Raven or you know what the basic gist of his story was. And that's lived on for 100 years. Maybe it'll last for another 100, maybe not. Right. So it's three different, you know, three different uh, levels of, uh, of, of people who are struggling to be artists or writers or creators. The other thing with Bela is when I read about him, I got the impression that it depends on who you talk to. The story, the rap on him is that, yeah, he was this, uh, that he really fell from grace, that he had this very tragic uh, soap opera, almost soap opera-ish like descent, um, you know, conjures up ideas of, um, uh, you know, um, whatever happened to baby Jane and other stars who can't give up the limelight. When I read the book about him, they portrayed it that he was that if you take away some of the um, some of the uh, um, uh, dramatization of what happened to him and the pathos around it, he was a working actor. He wasn't as popular. He saw um, Boris Karloff become bigger than him, but he really did do these one man shows reading uh, reading the Telltale Heart. And the part where the drummer, I, I could really see it from this book. He would be there on the stage, and it's just him reading it, this mesmerizing voice, and he's accompanied by a drummer. And the drummer's off stage, and one day the drummer got hit the note at the wrong point, and he actually broke the strap, and he fell onto the stage. That really happened, and I was like, I love how, how action-packed that is in this, in this very still scene. And I read it as uh, that's somebody that actually I relate to. He did the work. He did what work there was to do. Some of it, like, was seemed pretty pitiful. But he did a lot of work off a little bit away from the public eye, where it was in the theater, where it was still respectable, and he's still somebody who is trying to do a good day's work with every ounce of energy he has. So I saw him. I saw him in that guise as well. That sequence is really powerful in um, Unended, where you have the drummer and he initiates a pattern and the the pounding is just building and it just keeps mounting. And, and then he's actually slamming the, the drum and it's just like, it's really intense. And the way, Thanks. obviously the way you, you, you visualize it is just impeccable right so i i, I thought um it, it unended is not a book that i think one can take a single pass through and completely understand i think this is a book that demands rereads you need to I, i'm speaking you know just from my vantage point obviously that i i wish i had the luxury of time where i can go back and read it again 
for this episode where I can be better. Uh, I mean, I, I absorbed, I think, a good amount of it. Um, but there's more. Like, there's stuff in there that I'm sure will reveal itself to me on subsequent readings, right? Uh, not only the narrative, but your art, man. I, I I don't know how long this took you to, to complete. You said the better part of three years? Um, four and a half. I, mean, I, think I, I think I spent a year coloring it. Wow. I colored, it. I colored the whole thing in three months, looked at it, said I want to do it again. I want to get, I want to make this color better. And I spent another, I broke out all the pages and did them again for another six months. Wow. And I'd look at, the, I'd look at, you know, I found out that the pub originally it was due a year before it was going to come out. Then the publisher told me that they needed to push it. And I was like, that's fine. A year goes by, you see how fast time goes. That doesn't mean an extra nine months doesn't mean anything to me. Well, that's good. I'm I'm glad you have the creative energy to do something like that, to to go back and rework stuff that I'm sure was was great, but you you felt otherwise. So that that's awesome. But um, so four 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 and a half years. Uh, we're lucky to have you, man. I mean, it's crazy. This book is incredible. Uh, just to, to, to kind of wrap it up, I, I also love the fact that there was no final page in the play and the, 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 the panel, I think, or the sequence where, you know, you're asking your father, you know, just give me something I can work with that mirrors the inter interaction with Pettibond. Like you're just asking them, just give me something I can use. Give me something I can work with. It's brilliant. It really is. Are you still there? Did he get knocked off? The image is frozen. Yeah, the image is frozen. Oh, no. That's not good. Mm. Oh, no. Stupid Skype. Skype. Well, how about it? I'm going to kick him. I'm going to kick him and reconnect with him. How about that? We'll see if we could do that. Just to wrap it all up, because we don't want to leave... Well, it would be very conceptually sound uh, with yeah. the book to leave it unfinished. <laughs> right? Uh, let's see if I can't get him back. Oh, no. He's unavailable. It's kind of, it's kind of poignant, kind of perfect. Yeah. All right. So. I, I, I think all his appearances should have to end that way now. Yeah, really? Know. Really. Uh, wow. Yeah. He is amazing. That was great. This is a weird... See? It's it, a weird it all, episode. It all works out. It you, does. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to redo the header image. You don't have to worry about well, the gallery. I was leaving it the same anyway. Good. So. No, this is... I, I mean, we were having a blast to begin with, but I mean, the fact that he, you were able to connect with him at yeah. the end here it was just that it, it was that was wonderful uh, i just wanted to say to him to 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 um to bring it all home was that damn it stop doubting yourself yeah seriously because there's one part where he uh, a character says to him you know i think it's hyena where uh, no 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 it's the person he randomly meets on the street as he's thinking, he runs into a, a street person. 
and he and he starts Josh starts communicating to this person the the problems he's having with his father's play and he's trying to find the answers and and the, the street person says uh, Josh gives him money um the person says you know just go figure out the answers you know unless you're lazy or you don't have any talent and Josh's reply is I'm not lazy which ripped my shit apart. Like, okay, you admit you're not lazy, which you're not, but my dude, you have more talent than anybody else I know. Like, why can't you, you see it? Like, my man. Uh, so Josh Bayer, Unended, Uncivilized Books. Go get it. I got to get the Slipcase Edition. Um, yeah. That was awesome. That was awesome. So, uh, hey, thank you all for listening to this. Uh, please, if you would like to save money on omnibus editions, collected editions, manga, art books, a whole bunch of stuff, go to CheapGraphicNovels.com. That's CheapGraphicNovels.com because you will save more than Amazon, more than anywhere else. Just go there. And uh, do a solid check out our Patreon page. Big doings are in the works. We're going to revamp a lot of stuff. Um, I'm, we're going to make it even better than it already is. And and what it already is is you get extra audio, hours and hours of extra audio that the people on the regular feed don't hear. You get images. You get comic book covers. You get to uh, download original fanzines from back in the day. Uh, you can vote on the book of the month which is coming up very soon. So you all would be... Uh... Oh, hey! Yes, he's back! You know what was cool? Yeah, I can hear you. You know what was really cool? The fact that it just cut off and it was unended. I was like, this is the perfect friggin' ending. But uh, I just wanted to wrap it up um, yeah. by saying, awesome that you came here with us. And there was one section of the the later... Uh, stage of the book that I really want to take you to task about was after you communicated with the street person and uh, you were telling them all the problems you were having with deciphering your dad's work and and you didn't know how you know you were going to end it and you didn't have the answers and they said to you you know just go figure out the answers unless you're lazy or you don't have any talent and your reply was I'm not lazy and if I had you in the room, I would shake the hell out of you and say, you also should have said, I have a hell of a lot of talent. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. What's, what's funnier than than uh, saying lazy? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. It's so funny hearing this is really what I wanted. I want everybody to um, have a different take on it, see some things as true, some things as disputable something and to understand that it's it's a book that has a life of its own that's what i want that's what i wanted for it that's what i wanted for the the person who reads it to experience it thank you well i think the perception of this book is going to vary based on their proximity to you like those that know you or are familiar with you whether from your work or from online a lot of this stuff is going to resonate more strongly than somebody who has no idea who you are but the end game is after they read unended they're going to know who you are 
So I think this was a brilliant move on your part where it, it is actually a statement of you saying, this is me, this is who I am, warts and all, I'm Josh Bayer. And I, I, I love that book because of this. Because you're just cluing in all the people that are the ignorant people to what we all already know. That that you're like super awesome, my brother. Thank you. Yeah. So I told everybody, hey, get unended, whether just the plain old paperback or the slipcase edition through Uncivilized Books or your website. If there's anything else yep. you wanna you wanna pimp uh push uh before you go. No, I was just starting to say before I got cut off, I'm already working. I worked on uh unended as soon as I finished tomorrow forever. And I started working on my next book uh, as soon as I finished Unended. And so I'm about 75, 80 pages, maybe maybe twice that, I don't know. I'd have, I'd have to count into this, uh, my next project, which is kind of like a, the opposite of Unended. I'm doing another adaptation of a friend of mine who died and uh, kind of tragically, and he left behind this brilliant manuscript. And so I'm doing another adaptation now. And that should be out, I think, probably sooner than four years. I'm really moving along on it. But it's it's funny because my dad's play was maybe 40, 50 pages of his play wrapped up with 180 pages of me dealing with it. And this one's the opposite. It's like 200 pages of my friend's manuscript with about 50 pages of me talking about how, how tragic he was when he died and what, um, what my what what effect what relationship i had with him it sounds great and uh like i said uh i follow you on instagram so i see the stacks of pages and you just paging through them and it's like man this guy is just relentless you just produce work like crazy and it's all it's all amazing stuff like you, there's there's no um there's no lull in your process you don't have uh you know uh segments where you're just going through the motions like they're all it's all top-notch stuff and I, it just boggles my mind how a human being that gets tired and hungry and 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 sometimes confused and lost can produce this much consistent work on the schedule that you do like you it it, it you, you're unceasing in, in your production well thank you Sarah Marshall, the podcaster, she said that the period where you're locked into a project and you really cinch up with it, that's a really special, something some people never experience that. And she was like, that's a really special thing. Whether your book goes anywhere, the feeling that you want to do it and you know that you have to do it is um, a really, really rare rich thing to mine and i try to i i've tried to i've gone down i've explored i've chased that feeling since i was a kid right well brother um after reading this book i'm sorry for some of the stuff you had to deal with in your past but it, it all makes us who we are and so um i'm sorry you had to deal with it but i'm glad it happened because we wouldn't have the the dude we have today so Awesome. I'm I'm Amen. I, I'm thrilled to hear what's up. Andy's gone again. Damn it. That's okay. Really? Oh, there you are. Wait, wait. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. 
You're, oh, you're... I was just saying that's incredibly effusive phrase, and thank you so much. Yes. Well, I mean, we love you. You have a home here. Uh, whenever you want to come back, doors always open, and uh, we'll keep blowing that horn. Thank you so much for doing this interview. I appreciate it. Not a problem. It, it was Thanks. it was my pleasure. Love you, my dude. Love you. Bye. Talk soon. Have a good night. Bye. Tell Hyena I said hello. Oh. He, he didn't hear that. Oh, well. She did. Yes, I'm sure she did. Uh, so there you go, Josh Payer, back again to, to cap us all off. So yes, uh, uh, com, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. I think we should just forego the In Your Travels for this episode because we went really long. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll double back uh, next episode. Jason, you still there, my buddy? Still here, buddy. Yay! What did you think of that? <laughs> it was awesome, dude. It was beautiful. It was like watching... Two two maestros just having a, a on stage jam session. I can't yeah. tell you how excited I am. Like I'm not going to sleep. Oh I'm God. I'm I'm actually vibrating. My body's oh, like. Yes. <laughs> I love him so much. I don't want to make him like feel creeped out or or weird and say, "Man, I love your stuff," but I cannot express it any other way. I love his work. No doubt. You will too if you read it. Unended, uncivilized books. <laughs> All right, in, uh, in your travels, go get some comics, read them, love them, enjoy them, hopefully, and talk about them. That's the important part. Bring it online and talk to like-minded people about what you enjoyed about comics. Come back next time. We'll have something here waiting for you, a beverage, maybe a sandwich. And in the meantime, say good night. I got nothing. I was trying to make the cat meow. She won't do it. <sighs> David. Night. What? Yeah. Mm. She's going to fight you. No, I think she caught a mouse. David. Oh. oh. Nice. A little mouse interaction. Hey, what are you doing over there? They're in her keep. I don't know. I just don't want to clean it up. Mm-hmm. Excellent job, David. Oh, thank you. Thank yes, you. yes. Mm-hmm. Tell them you love them. Love you. I love them almost as much as American Ninja. <laughs> wow, there's a glowing, a glowing, <laughs> a glowing endorsement. Listen, I don't know the last time you watched American Ninja, but it just went on that Netflix. Uh, uh, not uh, Amazon Prime just got uh, um, it and all the other, um, and uh, it is as a child of the '80s having the Canon film streamable is a is a good thing. Oh, Canon films are great. If you like action and titties, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and titties. Michael, where would Michael Dudikoff have been without without Canon films? It's true. Taking out with you, Michael Vincent. <laughs> Jan Michael Vincent. <laughs> That's it for that one. <laughs>